on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Madnick returns to their bread and butter, which is breaking down new Star Wars shows so all fans can fully appreciate what was put forth by Dave and company on the Ahsoka premiere. They'll then pregame for Ahsoka S1E3 with some predictions and musings before revealing which episode Sky Guy may make an appearance in. The dudes will also examine the newly listed Star Wars eras in which properties are included in their canon. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses in the latest round of Punch it, Chewie. Now, did we figure it out this week? I think so. Welcome back to a brand new and in-season Star Wars time show, our favorite type of Star Wars time show, at least myself. I don't know about Nick. Uh, you know, we kind of opined all summer long, like, wah, there's no content to talk about. Yet we still want two, two and a half hours, 245, all summer long as young Nick broke down. The trials and tribulations of the entertainment strike, the problems with the streaming business model, the problems with theaters, so on and so forth. But we have finally returned to in-season Star Wars for Star Wars time, and I'm talking about the Ahsoka series. So if you're new here, you're going to get exposed to the Star Wars time show tried and true full breakdown of a Star Wars show. So we'll start there. We'll kind of tee up what some fans will be watching tonight because in a surprise move, in a wise move, I think, Disney has decided to just fully shift Ahsoka to primetime Tuesdays for us here in the States. I know all of you around the country or around the world, you get kind of fucked because it's time zone based, but who cares? It's better yeah. for us. It's better for myself. So it's a good move. I so have a wait. feeling that they're not going to stick with that. After well, this I, I don't, Nick. I don't know if you've you've seen the numbers because I know yeah, you are a numbers bad. a numbers type of guy. But yeah, according to whatever the fuck Samba TV is and how how they figured out these numbers, no one really knows. Um, Ahsoka over six days has underperformed every single Mandoverse property to date. Yeah, so it, that, that that's Book the, of Boba Fett. That's Mando. Yeah, yeah, you it, name it. It tied Andor. So the Andor. So the, again, like I think we're seeing the same numbers: one point two million viewers, um, which is which ties Andor. And for those of you out there, is like, oh man, Andor is great. Not a good thing. Andor was the least watched Star Wars TV show. It, it, it seems to be like the better the Star Wars is, the the less people watch it. it, it it's it, it's, <laughs> it's the. It, like what what they still don't understand yet and like what's going to end up fucking killing them is that they need to title these things differently. Like, why are you naming your show after a character that only 55 percent of your fucking that, audience that is a, knows? That is like, a good point. That is a good point. Like, um, even if you name this like Ahsoka, great for us, but like name it something that like people will be interested in, because for those who don't know Ahsoka, they're like. Who is that and why would I watch this? And, and you know what, Nick? I mean, all along, I've I haven't been rolling my eyes at that. Like, oh, this series, not enough people know about it. But I've I've been kind of discounting it. 
But after getting through the premiere week, you were 100% correct. And I hate to ever admit that I'm wrong, but even my neighbors who who have Star Wars t-shirts, Star Wars decals, you know, they're not just like fucking casual schmoes. They still have yet to watch it. And a lot of it is because they don't feel prepared enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, he asked me, he's like, hey, what'd you think? I was like, listen, man, it's fucking pretty fantastic. But <laughs> but you're going to get way more out of it, way more feels, way more attachment to it if you do your Rebels homework. And it, it, there's just no way around that issue because, you know, I, for one, found the premiere to be fantastic. But I also saw with my wife and my kid on, on our, my second watch that during some of the slower burn moments that fans like myself and probably Nick appreciated, they were getting antsy. And, you know, I don't want to I can't just blame it on a, on a little kid ADD because my wife was the same way. So there there is Nick was correct. Um, I had my rose tinted glasses on thinking, hey, you know, you never know. They, they've been established her in the Mando verse. Maybe we'll get some of the some of the bums over here. Um, but no, it, it didn't attract a big audience. It's it's gotten great reviews, as you've probably seen on social media. But it, it's underperforming, and it's definitely not for the casual type. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that they're like they just. And I think that like you can you can remedy a lot of these issues with a name, like the same thing, like Andor. Andor was named after a character that was in one movie and then died, and nobody gives a fuck about. Like name your shows better. Name them something that entices people to watch them, not after I, I, a character. What would you call this series? I'm just I'm, I'm I mean off the top of your head, I don't know if you have like you could spitball an idea, I put mean, on your dungeon master hat and get creative here. Andor was easy. Andor was like Spark of the Rebellion or something like that. Like super easy. And this one you like Revert back to something that people recognize, even if it is era-based names. The like Phantom which, Menace 2. Like, just name it, like, New Republic Rising or something like that. Or or something that, it like, gives people an idea in the name, like, right. hey, this is the time period that we're working in. People are familiar with the New Republic now because the New Republic was the, was the system of government that was in place during the sequel trilogy, which a fucking ton of people watched. I kind of, um, hey, check this one out from J.O.D., Vader's Padawan. I like that. <laughs> that, I mean, that would get some casuals to even, at least click, you know, because Vader's yeah. name's in there. Yeah, like even something like that. But like, but you can see it. Like you can see it in all of the other shows. The most watched Star Wars TV show up to this point, at least in the past five releases, is Kenobi by a large margin. Kenobi's opening weekend, 2.4 million people. Mando season three opening weekend, 1.7 million people. That's a pretty big jump, like pretty, well, pretty big drop. And it's because people know who Obi-Wan Kenobi is from six movies. Right. Um, and I just don't think that, that the, the creative people at Star Wars truly understand that like a name makes a difference. Um, no, I'm, I, I so, think yeah. that's a great, that's some, that's a great, uh, thing to point out here and you know i think it, it, if anything it should go to show uh, people like us that we are kind of a a special breed okay like the that's why we're called fanboys fangirls fan non-binary or whatever you want to call yourself but we are we are a unique group of star wars fans that will eat pretty much anything you give us and for the most part 
Enjoy it. It, it. I have a feeling a lot of the SWTS community is kind of like us where, you know, they can critique it, but they're not fucking morons about it. Not not misogynistic, racist, all that type of shit. But it did. I mean, Ahsoka just goes to show you. I mean, they, they did a ton of promo uh, on regular TV. I mean, they were dropping new trailers during uh, I, I forget what sporting events. I mean, they were trying their damnedest, moved it to primetime. And it still could not move the meter on, on opening weekend. And and what does that mean? I don't really know. I know we've heard that Ahsoka Season 2 is a thing if there's positive fan reception here. I would say that while it's been critically praised, I know guys like Bob Iger are more concerned with, did we sell any subs and how many motherfuckers tuned in to watch this? And if that 1.2 number is correct, that that doesn't bode well for a continuation of the Ahsoka series. Yeah. And I like, I don't know. I mean, this is a, like, this is underperformance consecutively now. Like this is, this isn't just like, well, this show underperformed and or underperformed. I mean, in comparison to Kenobi Mando season three underperformed. So like, it's, it's not good that you have, like since the Kenobi series, you've had consecutive series releases of underperformance. And you also like if it would be one thing if it was like a different economy and like in, you know, Disney was doing well in other areas or like they saw success. $83 from, stock price. I remember yeah, when I, I know, bought in like almost close to 200. Yeah. I mean, this is the lowest their stock price has been in four years. I'll, I'll like I'll say this. They'll they'll let Filoni finish his like you know, Filoni and Favreau finished their movie crossover. Um, I I don't have high hopes for Mandoverse after that movie crossover, because (laughs) I just don't think that like it, like I'm just being realistic here. The numbers. No, dude. Hey, listen, (laughs) I, 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 you know, I try to be positive about star Wars. The only thing I'm positive about in life, but it, it is starting to look like, I mean, we might get Mando season four cause we know it is, is it's written. Uh, but they can't do anything with it until everyone gets their shit figured out in Hollywood, which is going to potentially fuck stuff up and, and maybe cancel it, turn it into a movie. Who knows? But yeah, it, it does seem like the grand plans, just like way back when, when they announced the new trilogy and the Star Wars story cadence is going to be changing, sadly. And, it, and it's a bummer. I mean, it's like, listen, Ahsoka is solid. We're going to get in here and review it, break it down. We'll let you know how we feel. That's at least how I feel. I haven't talked to, the, to young Nick yet on his opinions. But, um, yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> it's not looking good. It just is, uh, it, you can't, it, Star Wars has lost that wow factor for the casuals. It, 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 the stuff they're putting out is not pulling in the masses of people. And and I think Nick has a great point. Title could be a problem. Uh, obviously, we're talking about the, the the character coming from full animation and only having two debuts in live action, which isn't a ton to expose Ahsoka to the masses. And in, in regards to the story of my neighbors, again, fans, like you're, you don't buy Star Wars clothes and stickers if you're not a fan. So I wouldn't even call them casual but even Ahsoka is a little too nuanced for even that type of fan. And I think, Nick, that's the bigger problem than your pure casuals. The fact that you have people that are engaged with Star Wars, but not deep enough to where they've been keeping up with everything over the past 15 years that they don't even feel comfortable going into Ahsoka without doing the homework. 
Yeah. Which is going to affect your your premiere numbers. I mean, they're eventually going to watch it, add to the minutes. But until we figure out how these streaming companies rate a show as a success or fail, I don't know what to tell you. Like, is it going to be total minutes watched by the end of the season or is it only based on number of households per episode? I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that that's hard to figure out. And and like there are people in the chat that are like, just go find like League of Extraordinary Sixers, you know, go find the content, go catch up, go watch the content like that works for people who who are like us who like care like but realistically you like what what we have to understand as hardcore fans is that like people don't care. People watch Star Wars for entertainment. They don't watch Star yeah, Wars. It's, it's not life to them like it yeah. is to me. Like it to, like, to me it truly is a a religion slash family member. Yeah. It's so like if you tell like if if I tell my friends John and Jonathan who live in, you know, Louisiana, I was friends with since high school and I tell them like, "Oh man, Ahsoka's really good, but you got to watch 15 hours of content to even get up to a point to where you understand what's going on. They're going to be like, well, maybe I'll just sit that one out. Like I will, I will say this. And if someone can check for me while we're on air, that'd be awesome. But I believe Disney plus does have a new curated playlist of Ahsoka related content that comes from, I think clone wars, rebels, and even the live action. So if anyone's listening, can check your Disney plus. It was, it was on one of the scrolling banners. Uh, within the app but even then nick i think you're still looking at 14 to 15 episodes of content yeah it's 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 great like it's great for people like us but it is hard to like you know or you just tell them it's like hey just don't watch it and figure it out along the way like you know they that's what one six shooter saying here i mean in his camp he's talked to a lot of non-rebels people and they dug it too so i I don't think we're we're not saying that the non-rebels people didn't dig it it's that they didn't even engage with it quite yet a a good portion of them yeah so and i mean that that's going to be the issue is like we're 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 building a universe which is fantastic for all of the people who are like really big fans like us and and are really into the minutiae but like Universe building doesn't pay off in terms of like attracting new people, especially when you're universe building off of the back of content that's over a decade old in some instances. So, All right, Bat Bat confirmed for us that they they do have a curated playlist that goes all the way through the book of Boba Fett. They had uh, all of Rebel season four in there. Like, yeah, well, I mean, I mean it's well, good that they've it, done it's that. It's good though. for like the Sabine and Ezra stuff. I, I think Ahsoka's yeah. out of Rebels by season four. Like she's not really even messing around yeah. that much. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's out there. A, and listen, th- those are 30 minute episodes. It's well worth your time. I- I'll tell you why once we get into our review, because there were there's a there's a character in particular. Every time the motherfucker was on screen or talked about hit me like i got emotional and a lot of that is due to my man kevin kiner's fucking john williams s score all right two thumbs up for kevin kiner coming through on the fucking music by the way um but yeah you, you i don't know having that having the relationship with rebels is definitely making it hit way more emotionally for yeah. me so because I mean, just imagine if you're watching this show for the first time and and, and trevor you know people who've enjoyed it but like you see this purple haired girl that you don't know pining over this guy that you don't know talking to this orange faced alien that you don't know. And he called know. her sister. I'm like, fuck you. I'm telling you, these two are meant to ship. It's not a brother sister relationship. Watch Rebels. He wanted to fuck her. Well, 
<laughs> that, that that might be a, a, a choice Disney retcon. Unless you're call, uh, calling Ezra a sister fucker. I'm telling you, he wanted to kiss her at least. He wanted a hug. He wanted something. Yeah, so I, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the numbers look like as the season progresses. Because um, I do think that they're going in an intri- interesting direction with it. You would think um, word of mouth should help, right? Like us idiots and just random, you know, fans that watch it. I mean, you never know. I mean, people are yeah, lazy, I guess. I hope so. I hope it helps. Um, but usually what you see, I mean, you can go and look at any YouTube series or any like show series that has metrics uh, for a whole season. Usually your peak is your premiere and then you go down from there um, and then you come back up for your finale, maybe. Um, so we'll see how things go, but yeah, like usually what you see is like peak watching is your, your premiere and then you like flatten out through the right. rest of the season. Um, but who I, knows? I, gar- I, mean, I guarantee this, this you have legs. The, the one episode we're going to talk about after our breakdown will probably draw in some numbers because a guy's going to be in it that, that has a little more, uh, cachet than Ahsoka. Real quick, before we get into the review, I want to, I want to ask Nick this from our boy, Johnny. Do you think a series named Organa with a storyline no. before A New Hope would have no. received more viewers? No. That's a negative. Nobody from knows Nick. what like you have to stop naming like you want to use a name, use a name that people know. Like Le- just Leia call everything Org- Luke Skywalker or yeah. Darth Vader. <laughs> like Leia Organa is a name that's said maybe twice. Like nobody knows that name. Nobody knows the name Andor. Nobody knows the name Ahsoka, aside from like the truly hardcore fans. Obi-Wan Kenobi is a name that I could say to my dad who probably has only seen Star Wars once in his life, if that, and he knows who Obi-Wan Kenobi is. Like, hello you there. can go to yeah, anybody Yeah, but Nick, would he say, say hello there, back to you? That's, no. That's the real test. He would, he would not. But that's the, <laughs> that's the thing is like, what does Organa mean? Organa is the name of an obscure senator from the prequels and is Leia's last name by adoption that you hear maybe three times. So no, yep. that would not have done, done right. any better. Young Nick has spoken. Let's get into it. Uh, the way we usually do it around here, Nick and I both give our opinion of the episodes. Then we get into the top moments, some references. I, I was surprised at the lack of Easter eggs in a Dave Filoni directed episode and a something he show ran, but that's okay. I'm not complaining. And then I have a bunch of ha. Huh. It's something we started with uh, Andor and Bad Batch. I just called it huh. As I'm watching and things come across, it's either I need Nick to fill in the gaps for me or I want to hear his thoughts on a certain ha. So, Nick, go ahead. Let let her rip. What did you think of the Ahsoka premiere? And that's how we're going to call it. We're not calling it episode one and two. It's being reviewed as one premiere. All right. Um, I I really enjoyed the content. I thought that the content of the episodes were really good. I thought that the, the fight choreography was really good. The acting... This is the first time I'll ever say this for a Star Wars TV show. The acting was lackluster, like in a lot of ways. And um, everybody felt stiff, not like one particular actor in in like specific. Uh, Everybody felt stiff, which is weird to me because you are going into a show where everybody knows everybody already. Like this is a show that was built around what was a family previously in Rebels, like Sabine and Hera and and Ahsoka, uh, you know, even the characters that haven't been looped in yet with Ezra and Zeb and Kanan and all of these characters were a family unit that all worked together for so long. 
but in this, it specifically in the first episode, it, it felt stiff. Like, and, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't stoicism. Like you're kind of, at least in my opinion, like Bat just said in the chat, like it wasn't stoic. It was, they were stiff. And there was a point in, in episode one with Sabine where it almost felt like she was reading off of a page. Like the, and because it comes down, because it's everybody, I almost blame that on the director. Like, because the director is the one who says like, Okay, do that again yeah, with yeah, more. Yeah, he liked it. Yeah, something. I mean, and this is Dave, my friends. Dave had episode one, and yeah. he's gonna have episode five. Steph Green had episode two. Yeah, I mean, so that that was a huge issue to me, and I, it was so confusing because of the character dynamics that are already in play from the, all the stuff that we talked about before the, the the seasons of Rebels, even Clone Wars and stuff like that, like the establishment of these characters over a long period of time, and like. I was like, this feels like fucking plywood. Like, why does nobody have emotion? Especially Sabine. Like, Sabine should have been the most emotional character in that show. And she felt like she was talking to a wall the whole time. Um, I was super surprised by that. But, and like, I could see stoicism from like Balin and Shin because that is the aura and like the, the you know, the kind of, uh, you know, the personality that they are supposed to, that they're supposed to give off, but from somebody like Sabine, somebody like Hera, like so, like the, these uh, characters that were in the the Corellia uh, shipyard and stuff like that, everybody felt stiff, and that was off putting for sure. Um, but in terms of like the content that is presented so far in the show, I'm a big fan. Um, I really enjoyed the settings, like going to. Uh, you know, new locations for the first time um, and, and like the setup for where the show could be going for sure. Ancient it, civilizations. At new galaxies. I mean, like this is potent, like this has new, the potential. New, new lore, like brand new lore yeah. was introduced in this episode with the path to Peridia, by the way. Yeah. That, I, that's the type of shit that gets my nipples hard. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, this this is potentially opening up the Star Wars galaxy to now truly a Star Wars universe if they choose to develop out the new galaxy and stuff like that. So the, the content is really good, but I, that, that was something that I was not expecting from the show is the, is for the acting to be the issue because all of these people are, are top. Like Mary Elizabeth Winstead was one of my favorite actors when I was younger, just because of the stuff she was in. Like I, I really enjoy her in, in, did you, you see know, the memes about her ass when she was sitting on that, that little transport on Corellia talking to Ahsoka? <laughs> I did not. You gotta love uh, creepy fucking men, but they, they're like, man, who knew Hera had some cake? Because she's sitting there and you know, her cheeks are all propped up looking very nice cupcakey. Sorry. Yeah. It's just it, random internet shit that comes <laughs> across the brain. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I liked her and everything. I've never, like, I don't, I'm not familiar with Natasha Lou Bordizzo's work prior to. I Asoka. honestly think this is her second s- series, like, job. Gotcha. So like, I mean, maybe like she's got some nerves and stuff like that, but like Rosario, again, like a person that I've, uh, I've been watching on screen for over a decade now. Like there's no reason that these people should be as stiff as they are. So I have to put the blame on Filoni and Steph Green. Like, I just don't understand how their direction was be as emotionless as possible in the face of 
your family members, essentially for the Phoenix Squadron crew, asking for your help and like truly being in it, like especially, yeah, no. So, so like that, that's my big critique of it so far is just that like the content is great, but like you need the acting to step up in a big way. All right. All right. So um, I'll kind of pick up where, where Nick left off here. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the premiere. I, uh, I liked the slow burn. Um, but I'll tell you what, I agree with him 100%. Not so much the entire cast. I really felt it with Rosario, sadly, which is odd considering she's the titular character. But she did feel like they just told her to act like she's disengaged. Um, you know, one six shooter brought up the point pretty much in every scene, she's got her fucking arms crossed. And I've told my kid, having your arms crossed is the worst body posture you can ever put forward to other people because it shows them that you are disengaged in whatever is going on around you. And that's pretty much how we all felt watching Rosario, it sounds like. I, I think that's a universal critique. And I'm with Nick, too. I don't, I don't think it's Rosario's fault. Uh, she has people above her that hit go, say action. They have the liberty to shoot scenes over and over and over until they get the take they want. And Dave decided, hey, this, this is how I want Ahsoka to come off. I don't think Ahsoka should be the bubbly snips from the Clone Wars, but she should be a little more emotive than she was. Um, I, I didn't quite find the issue with the other cast that, that Nick had. I, I, I liked Sabine's intro. I thought it was pretty rad. She felt Sabine to me in moments. I, I will agree with him that in moments where she should have been a little more open and emotional, especially talking to Hera in the hospital, it probably should have hit a little bit harder. It should have felt more like family members talking. Although I still kind of got that mom feel from, from Hera talking to the young Mandalorian. But I, I, I think Ray Stevenson was fucking fantastic. I, I like Balin Skull is my God. I fucking love the guy. Ray barely even needs to talk and he's already earning his paycheck, in my opinion. Uh, same with Shin. I mean, she did, Ivana barely needs to speak. It's those goddamn eyes will pierce your soul. The way she, you know, looks at the camera, looks around, asks questions, talks to her master. But um, 100% Nick, Nick, Nick's spot on. It's something, it just felt like they let a little air out of the tires in the performance department. Uh, performances aside, the content, like you said, was, was aces. I, I really think, uh, you know, like I said earlier, the, the score blew me away. Like, I, 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 it was John Williams-esque, in my opinion. And I know that could be sacrilegious to some of you. But I really think Kevin Kiner, for his live-action debut, and I, I believe Kevin worked with Dave for years now on Clone Wars and the animated wing, and I think this is his first foray in the live-action. He just fucking nailed it. Uh, the end credit song is fantastic. The the beginning of episode one, the drum beats was fantastic. You could hear Ezra's themes. You could see, hear Rebels themes throughout. And I think that's why my other favorite thing, anytime I'd see this motherfucker, anytime Ezra is either being talked about or on screen, I would almost well up. And I, I think that goes to show you how much I appreciate the character of Ezra Bridger. Uh, he really is a great character if you think about his journey over four seasons. I mean, he went from literally a, 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 a lost kid 
living in a tower by himself, just trying to make his way to a, a Jedi Knight that sacrificed himself for the greater good. And, and I love that these episodes kind of touched on his legend. And if you think about it, without Ezra Bridger, there, there's, there's no Skywalker twins saving the fucking galaxy. He was the, the catalyst for the rebellion. If he doesn't take out Admiral Thrawn, it's over. It's over. If the Empire's able to maintain their forces with Grand Admiral Thrawn throughout the OT era, the rebellion does not succeed. So he really, like Ezra, secretly has become like one of my most favorite characters. But also, if you think about it, he is, he, even more so than Kanan, has sacrificed more than pretty much any of the famous Star Wars characters we've watched for, some of us, almost 50 years. I mean, hey, Luke got to die when he was old. Leia got to die when he was old. Han got to die when he was old. Ezra fucking killed himself as a teenager. He's the same age as the Skywalkers. So I, I loved how they dripped him in. But again, I, I, the, the feels definitely came from the fact that I've seen Rebels at least two times from start to finish. So those moments are great, aided by the music. I'm telling you, Kiner is really helping the series. And I think... Without his music, these performances that we're talking about weren't being up to par would have been even worse. So thank God for Kevin Kiner. Uh, But overall, I really loved the premiere. I think it did a great job of setting up something very interesting for even a well-studied Star Wars fan. Like dropping that path to Peridius shit, introducing the concept of, of these ancients that one time graced our Star Wars galaxy and they made such an impact that Night Sisters built a temple to worship them. I want to know about that. Are the Night Sisters originally from this galaxy and they maybe they got lost here and left? That's all stuff that gets me excited. So I I, I love where we're going. The, int- the, the bad guys are some of the best in Star Wars, all right? The, 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 the team of Morgan, Balin, Shin, and as we heard, Balin pronounce his name, Marok. They're great. They're fucking fantastic. Like Balin and Shin, fucking fantastic. Give me my hot toys. These are the type of bad guys I want to explore in Star Wars, even more so than Thrawn. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to be upset if Balin and Shin kind of get taken off the board as we move into more of the Thrawn narrative, because uh, I think they're great. It's a great kind of experiment in what can force users do without the Jedi code? What are they getting into? What drives them? Is it power? Is it money? So um, definitely big fan of the premiere, but I'm with Nick. There was something off with the performances, most notably, and sadly, Rosario. It just, Ahsoka did not feel like Ahsoka. She felt like angry fucking Jake Skywalker. Yeah, and like, when you're comparing that to like Balin and Shin, and I think this is where the issue comes in, is like you have Balin and Shin and Morgan who are supposed to be like stoic characters that are supposed to like hide emotion. And especially in this instance, like since they're in like kind of the position of power, almost be like a little bit more joyful than the, you know, the the Phoenix Squadron crew. But like when you have the bad guys that are stoic and then the good guys are also just stoic and stiff, like there's no dynamic that you can find between them that like sparks interest, you know, like there was no anger in Sabine when like or like 
anything like that when Shin and all of these droids show up to her place to like assault her. Like there's there wasn't even a sense of surprise that I could tell. It was just like up oh, like the emotion. The Lowe's cat gave him away. You know, he started yeah. going, la, 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 and then she turned around right before she get, yeah. get, uh, got shot. And like so. So, yeah, I mean, like I, I want to see a little bit more of like of a dynamic between the good guys and the bad guys, not have like the good guys and the bad guys feel like they're at the same emotional place or something like that. Um, so I, I, I do hope that that improves and I think that it, there's a good possibility that it will, especially since you're going to have other directors coming into these episodes and potentially giving better, like, you know, actor facing direction. Um, and hopefully that improves as the, as the series continues to go on. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely for me, I think the, the standout was Ray Stevenson as, as Balin. Um, and I hate I to say this, but I really hope Balin dies now because it would be a shame if he doesn't. And we know that we're not going to get any more of that character because, you know, sadly Ray did pass in real life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is an unfortunate part of this that he almost he is great. Like, like the point one six years making, that's what I mean. Like he's not just a fucking hard on for death and destruction, bad guy. Like, yeah, he clearly he's, his morals are a little fucked up and his ethics are questionable. But at the end, he's like, you know what? That's going to be a fucking bummer if I have to kill Ahsoka. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you're not going to hear Darth Maul fucking say that. You're not going to hear Sidious say that. You're not going to hear Vader say that. I mean, that's that's some cool shit. That's a, that's like, a cool way to present this character. That kind of speaks to like one of my, like, I, I don't remember if it was a prediction or what about Balin or if it was just something that I said offhand. But I, I did mention that like, his character has the possibility for a turnaround because he was a former right. Jedi and you can already see in that character that there is still like a soft spot or like the for order Ahsoka in particular. But yes, like for that like time when there was like structure and order and like there was a little bit more like, I guess you would say reverence around the force and not just like exploitation for use of it. So I could, I could definitely see like a journey for his character where like, yeah. There is almost like a noble sacrifice or well, something. Well, you, you like remember, that. like last week, I I I proposed the opposite in a prediction. I said Shin would be the one to turn. I yeah. believe in last week. You're like, you know what? It might be Balin because of his connection to the Order. Yeah. And 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 after this first episode, there's a chance. I mean, I like Shin. I like that they they're still keeping her somewhat mysterious. But it does feel like though she is. She is beholden to her master, and and, and the only the only time like you could see she was almost thinking for herself is when Morgan talked about herself being a night sister, and she goes, "You're a witch." And as we've reported in the past, there have been rumors that Shin could have some ties to the arcane side of of the Force. So who knows if that'll actually play out? But I'm starting to think I may have fucked up, and in, in, in Nick's correction of my prediction may be may be the way to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see like more if if we do get more of Shin's backstory because to me it seems like she is the definitely the one more likely to skew heavily dark because she she is somebody who's new who's probably being exposed to these powers and exposed to like the the pull of the dark side for the first time and doesn't really have a perspective on the force like from the Jedi side like Balin does. So he like, she's less likely to like lean back on like previous teachings or like have more of a soft spot 
for just like the force and those who use it. So yeah, I'm definitely interested to see what happens there. All right. So, Hey, we liked it. We dug it. And, and it sounds like we're both there kind of Nick a little more uh, hardcore, but there, there were some acting issues, no doubt about it. So let's, um, I guess let's do top five. Then we'll do the, the fun shit. Uh, I haven't had any uh, reason to get into the Haas yet. All right. Top five moments. Let me find where I need to start. That's like right here. Yep. So to me, Nick, the first top moment is the is the is the opening complete with the with the drum intro. Balin and Shin show up under the guise of being Jedi. You know, they're, they're like, hey, we're just we're just here to to. To check on the prisoner, you know, he just tries to walk by that captain and then shit hits the fan and we get to see how these two operate and we get to see how powerful both of them are. Uh, A, how quick Shin is, you know, she's kind of like the lightning and then Balin is the thunder who just kind of sits there very imposing, stabbing people in their hearts, getting his own hallway scene and then ultimately um, rescuing Morgan Elsbeth. Uh, it was a great introduction to the new villains, and it kind of really set the tone for these two that, you know, just the both of them were able to take down an entire New Republic cruiser by themselves. I don't know if anyone heard that, but they killed the crew and they scuttled the ship. So not a, not a bad mission for two whatever the fuck we want to call them. I know some people are rolling Dark Jedi at this point in time. It's... Um, Unaligned force users, I guess, is what we have to use, as that is a technical term embraced by Star Wars canon. Uh, but I just, I, I thought the intro was strong, good way to suck people in, a little bit of action, you know, get the bad guys out there first, kind of set the doom and gloom, and then we transitioned into our star Ahsoka. Yeah. I mean, okay. that was a really fun one. I also liked that, like, just like the opening seconds where it's like it really feels a new hope because you get that same kind of perspective of the ship flying over. Yeah, yeah. You're I mean, you, hell, you even had yeah. a modified crawl. I mean, I know it's and bad is correct. Bad in our, our discord or somewhere is like it's not a fucking crawl. It's just words on a screen. And yes, you are right. It's not it's technically not the Star Wars crawl, but I'm still taking it as a reference. Uh, no, you, it did. I mean, the, the, really, the whole first two episodes felt like a, a movie. I mean, production wise, I think the production quality was up there. There was only a few times I was like, oh, yeah, they're on the fucking volume. You can tell. Uh, but for the most part, everything felt pretty high end for a for a Disney Plus series, at least from the production standpoint. Yeah, I already told you that the, the music's fucking aces. Uh, but the, the the cinematography was pretty damn good too, as as were the special effects, and even like I'll, I'll tell you what, I even think some of the lightsaber battles were pretty legit, especially uh, Sabine and Shin. Ahsoka, on the other hand, not so much. Again, she looks like she's in fucking slow motion, and it is odd. Um, but oh well. All right, scene number two, and this again just scratches my nostalgia and love for Mister Bridger, but. The first time I kind of was like, oh, yeah, Ezra, man, that hurts a little bit when we talk about him, was when Ahsoka and Hera are talking about the star map. And you could see Hera light up like, hey, if you think Thrawn's still alive, that means my man's still out there and we need to get Sabine involved. And it was just it was really Mary's kind of delivery of those lines. And I could feel that Hera 
was kind of touched. You know, there was a bit of hope that that kind of seeped into her heart in this scene about potentially finding Ezra, who at this point in time, Nick, has more or less been out of the galaxy for what, 13 years, 12, 13 years, just fucking lost. Um, well, we're not, it might even be more than that. Well, at this l- l- point. L- let's get it. I- I'm going to I'm going to set this straight because I, I was watching some other people last week and it, it blows my mind that motherfuckers follow some of these people and the shit they tell them. I mean, I, you had Star Wars theory saying that the Ahsoka series takes place seven years after Return of the Jedi. I mean, what, what, what the fuck planet has he been on? That was Mandalorian season one. We're at least two to three years beyond that, okay? So we're, we're at minimum 10 years past Return of the Jedi, okay? Ezra disappeared, I don't, I, I don't know if it's a full year before the Battle of Yavin, yeah, but, it, but it's, it, it's at least a year or two. So like I said, we're t- Ezra's been gone for at minimum 12, 13, at the most 15 years. Uh, so, you know, Harry getting that news, it, it, it would be like us hearing that a relative has been resurrected from, from, from the grave after almost two decades. So I, I, I like that scene. That's where I kind of felt like, all right, my, my Rebels experience is paying off at least for uh, some emotional feels. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have an emotional response to the Ezra stuff, but it is clear that like it's supposed to like. I mean, it's supposed to elicit emotion from Sabine. It's supposed to elicit emotion from everybody who is like within that family, even for Ahsoka when she sees the holocom device when she goes into Sabine. I mean, she room. owes him just as much as a galaxy. Without him, she's fucking getting a red lightsaber to her fucking head. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also just not one to get uh, emotional at stuff. <laughs> Very often, so yeah, I, I think Nick is he may be an even less emotional human than myself, and that's impressive. <laughs> so it's weird though, Nick. I, I don't have an emotions with real people, just science fiction characters from Star Wars. So it's a it's a me <laughs> problem, not a you problem. Don't worry. All right, next top moment, and I, I know Nick doesn't like Sabine, but her intro was fucking awesome. And a lot of that goes to the new killer track that we have, another Star Wars club tune uh, that 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 helped kind of complement her introduction, racing down the Lothal Express, uh, being flanked by the E-Wings. It it just that song, I'm telling you, it's I think it's better than the Neomos track. And I think it's better than the Adelphi bass track at this point in time. So if, if if Disney plus Star Wars is doing anything, my friends, it's introducing killer Star Wars club music. Yeah, I, I I was a huge fan of that song. And at first when I heard it, I was like, this feels more like J.J. Abrams Star Trek because he was always one to like throw in. I mean, like more specifically like Beastie Boys stuff. But like that reminded me of the the scene where young James T Kirk in Star Trek 1 like from from JJ is like steals his parents car is like peeling off down the road when like cops come up flank him he's playing beastie boys in the car and shit like that and still just like doesn't pay any it, it like gave that same vibe which I thought was like really good for that character I was like good they're setting Sabine up in a way where she's going to have like this she's a rebel this like, this like punk feel to her like this you know i i like i don't give a shit about what what is expected of me i don't really like i i do things my own way and i was really like 
happy with that decision to like present her in this light. Oh yeah. But the the intro was was spot on for the character. I mean, she looked like a badass. She was acting like a rebel, sliding under the E wing, dropping like the you know the repulsor lifts on her speeder bike. All that was fantastic. Um, it, it was a strong intro, but then as Nick said, it, then the character of Sabine got a little little wonky for him in in subsequent scenes. She wasn't quite full of the piss and vinegar that this scene elicits in yeah. her character. It's like she's. Like she's doing like she's following through with like what her character was in Rebels, just like be like consistently being in open rebellion, whether you're in open rebellion against the Empire, whether she was in open rebellion against her family when she like decided to move, like, you know, like separate herself from her Mandalorian family. And like it was setting her up to be like this again. But then after the scene, it's just gone. So I, like, I, I really do want to see that, that kind of like emotion and, and like that, that sense of rebellion and purpose kind of return to her in subsequent episodes. Well, while we're on the topic of Sabine, my next standout moment for me was the Shin V Sabine fight to end episode one on that cliffhanger. Uh, I, I thought the lightsabers looked excellent. Uh, I always love a green lightsaber in the dark. It just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's sexy that the orange lightsabers are really cool too. But when it comes down to it, it was a damn good little lightsaber duel. I mean, you could tell both of them are, are trained in the Jedi arts. And as we learned, like, I know that was one of our predictions, so we get a win. But yeah, Sabine 100% was trained to be a Jedi. And if you really want to get into it, this was being set up in Rebels 100% with Kane. And he even, like, has a line about everyone has potential, so... Uh, get over all that. Um, Nick, the big thing, I know you don't fuck around with the internet, but the big thing about this fight, um, it, it was kick-ass. Clearly, Sabine was at a disadvantage. She's not as skilled and not as tuned to the Force as Shin. But Sabine, like a few other Force users, or as Huang said, shitty Force users, I love that. That's a great, you know, see, that that's Dave taking care of some shit. Like, Having that exchange between Sabine and Huyang, I think a lot of people needed because he he just yeah. flat out says like, "Listen, you suck. You were the suckiest of of any candidate that came to learn to be a Jedi." Oh yeah, but it's I okay. Mean, Keep at it. You you, you sad sack. He, he gave get off the your fucking ass. Roid more personality than anybody else <laughs> in the show. Like he did. He, I mean, he, how about that line? He's like, "Well, yeah, you're a hologram." When when Hera's like, "Yeah, just go ahead, mess mess with the head, even though it might blow you guys up." Well, he's like, "Yeah, you you can say that because you're not yeah. fucking here." Like he he pumped more personality <laughs> into that droid in that one scene in the hospital room than all of the other characters combined, which uh, is so fucking weird. Um, da- David Tennant, buddy. So so Nick, the the big controversy in this scene is the fact that Sabine took a lightsaber to the torso and was able I to live. And, and where I pointed out, because everyone brings up Qui-Gon, I think they forget. It's like Qui-Gon, slightly off center. Qui- it's, it's, Qui-Gon literally took it to his fucking heart. Like it goes I mean, straight through his body. This, the, the image I have on the live stream, by the way, if you want to join us and look at pictures and see our fat heads, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show 5P East on the YouTuber. But the image I have up, Nick, you can see it's clearly off center. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, she probably had her liver punctured, her lung, maybe a kidney, uh, cut through some ribs and shit. But she had medical care. Like Ahsoka was right there after she got the old zip zip. You got to remember these things cauterize as well. They don't just leave a gaping hole in your fucking body. 
So she lived. And guess what? It's science fiction. Get over it. Qui-Gon took it to the fucking heart. She did not. All right? It's easy. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I the, <laughs> the injuries to Qui-Gon better have been to his heart. <laughs> I really hope that they were, and that's the only explanation. No, go, at this go, point, listen, had- I've, I've seen it so many times. He dunks him in the head, then comes through, and it goes right through the middle of his chest. And we all know... That's where your heart's at. It's not on your left tit. It's down there, kind of in the middle. So there you go. Problem solved for all of you that got bent over this. It's not that hard. Uh, Plus, we still need Sabine. We didn't need Qui-Gon at that point in time. He had to die so Anakin could become Darth Vader. Duh! Dave Filoni explained it. Go look it up. Cut his motherfucking head off next time. Go look it up. just, Just make it, just make it. Like more definitive. No, and, and I was going to say it has to be heads because you can't even in Star Wars just cut someone's body in half no, either. Not anymore. Okay, it just it don't work. Yeah, because so. yeah. like it's just yeah. I mean, Qui Gon definitely got the shaft in terms of like ways to die in Star Wars. After we've seen everything that's happened since then, you get people like the guy that gets cut in half and dropped down a shaft that is so long that we couldn't even see the bottom of it. Right. Is alive until mm-hmm. the end of Clone Wars. Right. Uh, so yeah. Vader literally loses all his limbs, gets set on fire, and, and burnt to death. Yeah, and, and he makes it out, but hey, he's yeah, the so chosen like, one. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, yeah. like Qui Gon died for plot device, my friends. Like yeah, that's Qui- it. <laughs> he had to die, as Qui-Gon Dave tells was- you. If, if Qui Gon lived, Anakin would have fulfilled the prophecy. Like he would have become the Jedi chosen one and eradicated the Sith. But he died. Obi Wan fucked up because he didn't want to train him, and, and here we are. So yeah. So that. I mean, we'll just just put it this way. Qui-Gon was waiting for a reason to die, and then he got one. He was like, finally, somebody stabbed me. Now I can just fucking die. Like, Oh, boy. All right. Um, so moving on with our top moments here. That's right. Decapitation should be called getting dooku That comes from J-O-D. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on with top moments is another one that Nick probably didn't really experience, but I did. And in this scene, the Hera and Sabine in the hospital scene rebels vibes out the ass i i mean you could see Hera being the mother that she always was she she was always the den mother of the specters and and she's like she knows how to deal with this mandalorian she's like listen you did great you know even though she knows i mean look sabine fucked up royally right she didn't listen to so because she took the fucking map the map Ended up in the bad guy's hands all because of her. But Hera, unlike Ahsoka, knows that, that you can't go to Sabine and just say, you fucking idiot, you stupid, dumb fuck, you fucked it up for all of us. She's like, hey, listen, you're doing awesome. You guys, don't worry, you guys will figure your shit out. You, you know what to do. You know how to handle, handle yourself. You got it. it. It just felt very Rebels-esque. Took me back to the ghost and, and all those chats she had to have with all of them. I mean, I, I think she's had a chat like that with everyone but Chopper because Chopper would just tell her like, go fucking now. OK, so this this scene in particular felt the most like live action rebels to me out of out of any of the scenes in the premiere. I think the next one that you have up is the one that felt the most rebels to me. Yeah, oh, yeah you're right. You're right. And we're talking about our man Chopper, who. At this point in time, Nick, I don't know about you, but I literally can understand him word for word. Like, I am <laughs> such a fan of Chopper 
I can like when in the moment I'm talking about is when it's his whole under the battery. Yeah, it's his it's his heroics. But it was even leading up to his heroics where he goes to hair like, hey, have you been in my shit? And she's like, she's like, no. He's like, yes, you did. And you can hear Dave saying that even though it's I mean, it's I don't don't know if I'm like just good at, at listening to people that talk like they're deaf or what. But I can now fully understand Chopper. Without closed captions. And he does get closed captions, by the way, which is fucking yeah. even better. But then he's like, you know, he's bl- blaming Hare for getting in his shit. And he's like, fuck you, you're wrong. And then he finds, he's like, oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> and then he, he's such a cocky son of a bitch when he, he does, she does the roll around and he drops it. And then what does the motherfucker do? He hits a double bicep. Like, <laughs> come on. I mean, how can you not like this guy? I mean, Nick. I hate to say this, but is he the best astromech? Is he better than R2-D2? Personality-wise, for sure, I think. It's just like when you have a character, when you have like a droid character like that, that exudes so much personality. Yeah, because they're not so supposed to. to work with. Yeah, like he, I think that he is just better. Like if I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with somebody and just like over a beer, I would probably rather it be with Chopper than R2. Because like R2 is Oh, he would tell you some tall tales. Chopper's never going to tell you it as it is. He's always going to embellish. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So I think that he is, in terms of entertaining factor, for sure, I think (laughs) Chopper at this point. He is simply amazing. I mean, him and R2, both heroic little astromechs, but Chopper always does it with disdain, and he always wants to be kind of applauded for his work where R2 is he's your typical droid. He just does what he's told. Doesn't ever look for any love or, or, or thanks, nothing. He, you know, he's just fucking parts and code. Not this guy. This guy is, is truly a character and it, it does pay me. Cause I, I mean, R2D2 is fucking fantastic, but you know, in terms of star Wars droids, we got, I, and this is in no particular order, R2 chopper, BB eight, and now I got to say uh, BD from Andor uh, in terms of our little roller mechs. I, I don't think uh, I know BB-8 not considered an astro mech, uh, but just Chopper. He probably is the number one. Just unbelievable. And even Nick, even before that, he's like, hey, just fucking shoot the shit down. Let's go home. And, yeah, and, she's, and like, she's like, well, there's a bunch of people down there. And he yeah. goes, so what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he does not like he he definitely has. The, the mindset of like a Saw Gerrera more than yeah. uh, a, a general rebel. He's like, who the fuck cares if we kill some people? Just kill these people. That's the that's the important thing. Is, is you know what? Dude, sure these people Chopper are. is the droid that uh, my character from Scoundrels of the New Republic would bond with. Like we would yeah. be the greatest yeah. friends in Star Wars. <laughs> Chief Matlu and Chopper would hit it off like none yeah. other. We would drive Zavu, a.k.a. 1-6 Shooter insane. Like he would just quit the group. But Chopper and I would leave nothing but bodies and destruction. True. And That's then, then we, you know, we we we'd eat and do our drugs to 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 finish the day. So that that kind of rounds out the the top moments here. Chopper finishing of all, us off and just just fantastic. And um, that do you think these scenes, Nick, was he live action or is that all CG? So hard to tell. I think that like. I think it was probably a mix. I think that the body itself is live action. I think that they probably had to do some CG work with the arms because they were moving way too fluidly. 
So, so I do think it's probably a bit of a mix. Yeah, just like, again, this show looked really, really good. The only times it looked a little too volume heavy, I think, were the scenes on, on Arcana, which was the temple planet. And then the beginning of the Shin-Sabine fight, when they show kind of a wide shot, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can tell you're on a, on a screen, even though you got Lothal in the background. But overall, things look great, including Chopper himself. Okay, um, I'm just going to save all the Haas stuff for the end at this point. Let's go ahead and go through some of the uh, eggs and references. Uh, very surprised at, at the lack of true Easter eggs in this episode. I really only think there was one or two true ones. Uh, but to start things off, Nick brought it up earlier. We, we had a version of the crawl. I do agree with, with Bad. It's not one for one. It, it isn't technically crawling out and you, can, you know the, the words disappear. But it, it kind of has the same effect. So a yeah. little, little familiarity, like Nick said. Uh, you know, for a, a fan of Jedi and the OT, it was awesome to get Home One on screen again, to get the name drop. And as Ahsoka is pulling in, if you look closely, you could even see the good old ghost in the docking bay sitting there. I know we haven't seen it in full yet. I, I think we may get it here in episode three coming up tonight. But you could, if you looked very quickly, you could see the ghost in the docking bay of the Home One. Now, the the uh, New Republic ships, Home One, etc., they still look like shit. I mean, the yeah. Home One just looks like a big, lumpy fucking turd, right? I mean, it's like a big, lumpy log of shit in space. It has no sexy lines. It's just, it's very bulbous and, and round. Uh, but it brings back memories. And, and you got a lot of the interior of Home One that you might have forgot. I mean, where they had their meeting, that's where they had the battle plan for the Battle of Endor. You know, when you saw the uh, Mon Cows up there in in the rafters, that's where Akbar was, you know, yelling down at, at his forces during the battle. So all that shit was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay, dude. So the temple on Arcana, we, we know for a fact it was built by the Night Sisters. The, the, the question is, are those Night Sisters on the wall? The image I have up now is, is one of these figures holding one of the star maps. And you could tell they used to be painted red. They, they do kind of have a Night Sister look, especially if you remember Mother Talzine. But yeah. these could also potentially be that ancient civilization that we heard Morgan talking about. So... I yeah. don't know what you thought about these guys in the temple or what, if they were Night Sisters or the actual Civ. I think that like they they look so much like Night Sisters and maybe like there's a lot of possibilities out there, you know, like is is are the Night Sisters like were they just able to contact this other civilization because of their use of like magic that really no other you know, known entities within this galaxy have used. So like, are they, you know, are those night sister elders, the ones that were, that, right. that were actually able to contact those, you know, that ancient civilization, or is it like members of that ancient civilization that made their way to this galaxy, like to the proper star Wars galaxy, um, you know, back in history. One thing that I, that I thought was going to be more of a possibility, which I, I don't know if it's a possibility now because it had been brought up before, but it's, it's the Rakatans. The Rakatans were brought up during the Andor time, like in the Andor series, specifically by... Um, Luthen. 
Luthen, yeah. I was going to say Stellan Skarsgård because I forgot his other name. Same, same fucking but, guy. Yeah, same guy. <laughs> um, brought up by Luthen, and I was like, okay, well, that that would be an interesting way to kind of tie this back into everything because the Rakadans were an extra galactic civilization. Now, now Nick, made, you would know more than me about them. Yeah. Are they humanoid or more alien looking, though? The, they're, they're, the Rakatans. At, at the way that they have been portrayed in the past has been more alien like. They're, right. They're like they're almost like, like, like buggy looking almost. Like yeah, not like, not like Geonosians, but sort of a bit. Well, they're like hammer. They're they're hammer heady. Like they're okay. bipedal, very tall, lanky, but they're they're like they have like hammerhead kind right. of right. faces. Like their eyes are like shunted off to the side on like hammerhead style kind okay. of yeah that, that's what i thought like I, I know they're technically humanoid-esque but i felt like they they really lean towards the alien version of star wars humanoid yeah yeah i mean they're they're definitely more alien humanoid than like standard humanoid even like even to the degree that the night sisters and, and the dathomirians were like humanoid um so not necessarily like that and like and as far as I know, up to this point, though, well, like even the, but the there, there's one right other there's one other ancient Civ, the Zepho. Yeah, the, the Zephos, which we, we got introduced to heavy and in, in, heavy and fallen order. Yeah. And in, in, in fallen order. So it could be that it could be Zephos for sure. But like the depiction of what of like the, the creatures that are in the temple do not look like. Rikotin yeah, that's why I'm kind of thinking these are night sisters in. I, I, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there, but I, I do think that either this ancient civilization brought the Night Sisters here, or they, they all came at one point in time and the Night Sisters got left here, or wanted to stay in this galaxy, and the ancient civ either died off or went back through the path of Peridia to their galaxy. But it is seeming more and more that the Night Sisters were never truly from the Star Wars galaxy. They're almost yeah. like a transplant that they came here for a reason. And it's and it seems like a lot of them stayed behind where the other ancient Civ went back because I am I am putting it out there and, and I'll go through some of the some of the quotes I wrote down from Morgan. But I, I'm 100 percent positive that there are Night Sisters and then there's this ancient civilization that built that Purgle portal on Cetos we'll talk about here in a little bit. Does that make uh, sense to you? Like I, I'm saying they're two different civilizations, but from the yeah. same galaxy. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that the Zepho and the Rakatans are, you know, are both from this other galaxy. I that, think they're going to pick one, but I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, you are right. They have canonized the, the, how are the fuck the Rakatans via Andor. So it would make yeah. sense if they just stuck that way. But considering they used some Fallen Order canon in here, especially when Ahsoka was picking up the Force Whispers and like, you know, could hear their fight and was able to almost like sluice shit like Cal did. Yeah. It leads me to believe like they they may go Zepho because that's where all that shit yeah. comes from. But hey, who knows? So All right. Yeah. Well. And like, I think that like a lot of people are expecting it to be um, like rock Rakatans or Rakatans, whatever you want to call them. Cause they're like, Oh, there's so many ties to old Republic stuff in this, in this show. And like, there's some, like the eye of Scion is definitely a tie back to Darth Scion from the old Republic. 
But I think that people are assuming that the extra planar or the extra galactic civilization is going to be the Rakatans, and I don't know if that's necessarily. Going yeah, to it's come just it, like I said, it, it with Fallen Order and even how much they incorporated Dathomir, it, it just it feels like they could be leaning towards the whole Zepho stuff. Yeah, they, um, I think it it is more. Yeah, here like like what JOD saying here. I mean, that that's kind of like yeah, the, maybe the Night Sisters were sent to our galaxy, the Star Wars galaxy to to extract force essence because we we have heard and we do see that the Night Sisters use a it, it, it's it's magic. It's not necessarily the force. It's somehow all connected, but it's not the force that we've seen our Jedi and Sith use or unaligned force users. It it is very arcane in nature. I mean, hell uh, we see Morgan use it when she's on Setos to activate the star map. I mean, the old green flames yeah. come out, and here we go. We know they can resurrect the dead. So, yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, the, the, the Night Sisters could have been scouting for this civilization. They could have been like a a subclass in this galaxy to the ultimate Civ, and they, they got sent out to explore. The fact that they built a temple to honor this ancient Civ and to hide a star map in it definitely leads towards that they had a... They, they had a penchant for this ancient civilization and this galaxy that they probably came from. So I, I really am putting it out there. I do not think the Night Sisters were ever originally from our galaxy. They yeah. are coming from this path of pretty as shit. Um, so speaking of the path, we get to see um, a star map, which comes from KOTOR and Nick. You know, when we were doing our trailer breakdowns on, and now that we know it's Cetos, if you look when she activates the star map, it is fucking dead nuts direct from KOTOR. Dead nuts. Like, yeah. this graphic here, you know, the, with the fucking orange lines and the blue orb, it's exactly what a star map looks like activated in KOTOR, so... Um, pretty, pretty spot-on little reference right there. But, I mean, you know, you and I were like, hey, maybe that's fucking... The world between worlds, well, no, now we know it was a star map that points to the path of Peridia that leads supposedly to Thrawn's location. Yeah. That, that, okay, since we're here, I'm going to go ahead and do a ha moment here. A lot of people were asking, like, how the fuck did Morgan know that, a, you know, a, a, an ancient map would have Thrawn's location? So here, here's all I can tell you at least from what is said in the episode and, and just based on my, my speculation. She specifically says, once she activates it, that she can hear Thrawn. She says, Thrawn calls to me across time and space. Across time and space is, is tricky. Because yeah. she is implying that time can be manipulated, which we know it can. Um... I'm, I'm going to put it out there that it hasn't necessarily been Thrawn calling to her, but some other force from this galaxy is calling to her, and Thrawn happens to be here. Now, Thrawn could be the one getting this force to call to her, but I, I don't think Thrawn has these abilities unless he's learned something these 13 years to where he can project his voice through time and space. Yeah, so, that's that's what I was going to say. Uh <laughs> is uh to my knowledge thrawn doesn't really have the ability to do that unless yeah no um, so know. so like like you were saying it could essentially be the the rakatans the zepho they could be the ones kind of 
generating all this action who who have been kind of guiding Morgan to the map like hey yeah Thrawn's here but so are we that that yeah. type of thing you know what i mean yeah and it's like now it brings into question like is Thrawn actually trying to come back or is Thrawn in the the grip of some other uh-huh. civilization yeah, that is so, trying to yeah. invade the mm-hmm. known galaxy yeah yeah you know it, i it, i think it's a i think it's a, a hybrid of that nick I, I don't think thrawn is is like being well, manipulated but i think he has made a tactical choice yeah to kind of go in leagues with this ancient civilization which clearly has uh, you know ties or relationship to night sisters which is really kind of leading to the idea that Thrawn coming back with a resurrected army of some sort isn't that far-fetched. Yeah, and I mean, it it totally fits Thrawn's character, too, to, like, essentially yeah, be yeah. thrust in an unknown situation and yeah. just be like, well, I'm I'm not going to try to fight it. I'm going to make the best... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tactics best of my shit, my, my, my ass out of this shit, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, I... Like, he can... Thrawn can make... Become allies with anybody. Like, that's the thing about him, is, like, he... He can like put himself in a room with anybody and and you will like him or to to some degree respect him before you leave regardless. And it would make total sense that like he gets thrown into a place that he has no idea where he is and then meets like the first sentient being he meets. He is going to to extract information valuable enough to him that he can figure out what his next move is and then essentially like work his way into a position of power to be able to to do or get whatever he wants. So it's not surprising. It wouldn't be surprising if that's the case is that like he has somehow put himself in the good yeah. graces of this invading force and is now making his way back into the galaxy. I, I, I think that's might be where it's headed. Cause you know, again, we don't know a lot of leaks. Uh, I will tease. I, I have had a talk with my source after many, many months. It's, you know, we, we I really haven't gotten any updates since Mando S3. So let's just say may have some juicy tidbits for you all, possibly this Thursday. And I wouldn't say they're super spoilery, but they may confirm some speculations and predictions we have had on the show. So once again, we are kicking ass and taking names, young Nick. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't. I just. I, I don't think it's it's Thrawn, uh, or not directly Thrawn. I, I think he's working with someone. Um, probably they're both working for their own ends. Who knows who's manipulating who, but Thrawn's definitely working with this ancient Civ slash night sister esque type of people in this galaxy that the path of Peridia leads to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got the gold orbs and all that shit. So moving on with our references and, um, that type of crap. Pretty cool moment when they phone into Huyang and Ahsoka and they are still using the Fulcrum call sign. Okay, that's a yep, yep. direct callback to Rebels. Not not much needed else on that. But, you know, clearly she has stuck to the cause of freedom fighting the day she, you know, left the Order and, and left that farm in Tales of the Jedi. She has not stopped. Like she says in the show, she lives on her T6 because she goes where she is needed. And that's no fucking joke. All right, uh, this is just kind of a big tree for Rebels fan, but it was pretty dope to see um, Lothal in live action, let alone getting Clancy the Man Brown 
as uh, Riyadh Azadi, who he voiced in Rebels. Clancy now has like four different Star Wars characters under his belt. He's a yeah, greedy he motherfucker. In... <laughs> he, he was just in Mandalorian as that, that, say, that, he was that devil Red. fucking yeah. character. Yeah, as the Zavronian, I think it's the race. Yeah, and uh, and the prison and he vo- he's the voice of Savage. Oh yeah, I forgot. So he's he's uh, Savage Opress, Riyadh Azadi, and that Devonian from Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, come yeah. on, this this guy could go to cons the rest of his fucking life just on those four bit roles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just sit there. He's like, which autograph do you want? <laughs> the, the, the thing is, though, he looks just like. Riyadh Azadi. I mean, it's it, it's a perfect casting, just like Bo to Bo. I mean, you know, Katie Bo, Bo Katie, same thing here. Yeah. Clancy, Riyadh, Riyadh Clancy is a, a fantastic casting there. Um, kind of a no-brainer, it seems like. It, Clancy is a good actor, like a character yeah. actor. I, I uh, loved him. The first time I got exposed to him was in Starship Troopers back in the, I mean, I don't know. If oh, yeah, he's one of the, he, he's one of the platoon leaders or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was... Nice, great. And then another callback from uh, Rebels, Jai Kel. Like, Jai Kel, who is now a senator of the New Republic, he was an instrumental character in Rebels, if people forget. He was at the Imperial Academy that Ezra broke into to get some intel, and Ezra's influence essentially convinced Jai to get the fuck out of there and become a freedom fighter. So this is a, a rebels character. It was not just background. I think he was in featured in, in at least four episodes and he did have interactions with the uh, specters, AKA the ghost crew. So that was pretty sweet. Um, and again, this lucky bastard gets to have a star Wars career. Good for him. We don't. Okay. Our uh, Sabine's introduction while it was awesome, had some fantastic music. As our buddy Bango said many months ago, hey, aren't those E-Wings? And yes, they sure as hell were E-Wings. Uh, but we also got, and I've said it a few times on this episode, they're using the Spectre call sign on Lothal. And if you remember, that is what the Ghost Crew called themselves before they joined Phoenix. Okay? They were the Spectres. Those were their, their, their call signs. Spectres of the Ghost Crew. So a nice nod again to Rebels. In my opinion, Nick, these were the only true Easter eggs, and that's when uh, Sabine walks into now her apartment, used to be Ezra's, and you can see the scout trooper she painted for him that he wore at the beginning of season four to save her father from the Imperials. So that is that's like one of the only legit eggs. And uh, if you're a fan of Ezra, you know he loved his buckets. In the corner of the room there, you could see his his other collection. And then I to mean, me, I guess, well, go ahead. What's your, what's I was going to say the, the last, like just true Easter egg is when she gets in her box to dig out her lightsaber, um, or the, um, Jedi communicator, you can see her spray gun right there. That's that like rectangle tool with the, with the tip on it. So if, obviously if you watch rebels and you look anywhere Sabine's at, she draws everywhere. That's, that's her weapon of choice for that type of stuff. Nick. The um, Phoenix patch in there, is that from Ezra? See how it's like I that, mean, like his orange type of garb? Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine it's got to be because that's like a keepsake box. Yeah, like, it's just like, because yeah. she's wearing Phoenix on her jacket, hair still yeah. wearing her Phoenix, so I don't think it's from her. I was guessing it's either Ezra or Kanan oh, yeah, left over. Yeah, it's one of those two. I mean, maybe like, maybe it's more likely to be Kanan because I don't know if... 
It does. I, don't know how I mean, I, I hate to say this, but it does look a little burnt and explodey. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't. I don't remember Kanan ever w- sporting the patch because he he just wore his his brown and green shirt. Yeah, he. I say he just had like his regular tunic with those. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But it, I would assume that it's Ezra's because the box of keepsakes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is in. like her her treasures for Christ's yeah. sake. I mean, it's yeah. pretty much everything related to Star Wars Rebels and her time on the Ghost. So yeah. Um, the only other thing that I was going to say as was an Easter egg, but maybe we said it already was the, the eye of Scion, which like, Oh I yeah, yeah, directly. no, I, you're just, you're yeah. getting ahead of the game, brother. We're okay, almost, yeah. we're getting there. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay. So on a, a, a new planet, Arcana, we get the, uh, night sisters confirmation. I know we've been telling you that Morgan's a night sister for over a year now, but just in case you didn't believe us, she confirms it on Arcana and tells us that they are the ones that built that temple, and it did seem like some sort of homage to either their galaxy or the ancient civilization that brought them there. The so choice get, of planet name is interesting, too, because Arcana is definitely like yeah, magic. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it arcane. Means magic. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. And speaking of that, we uh, the other reason to talk about Morgan is it, it's our first introduction to Night Sister magic in live action. In live action. Yeah, we, we get the green flame, all that type of stuff. Good good going. All right, dude, I know a lot of people picked up on this, but how about you? When when Shin was sending out her probes to find Sabine, standing there looking, sounds, cinematography, oh, yeah. major mall vibes, right? Yeah, oh, I was going to say 100% mall on Tatooine, sending out the probes the first time we see him. Oh, while I mean, it, it, it was like, besides having those two asshole murder droids or HKs with her, it was... Dead nuts on. E- even the little ball sounded like Maul's Maul's probes. Yeah. So, and that's um. You know what? I I I do love the primetime drop because it allows me to watch the show tonight. I I don't have to do that tomorrow. I can do all my reading and and looking up tonight. So I'm just kind of ready to hit and review on Wednesdays. But really, what was fun, and hopefully we do it again tonight. People join in. Was going to the Discord. Go into the Star Wars Time Show Discord after you watch Ahsoka. Come join us. We'll be there. I'll probably get in around 10, 10.30 uh, tonight after I watch it. But it, it, it's fun to like watch it fresh and then get right in the Discord with other SWTS fans in chat. So if you want to join and, and get in on that every week, our Discord link is open. You can find it at StarWarsTime.show on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, I'll give credit to Scoundrel. I'm not going to take it. But Devin is calling her female. Female. <laughs> All right. Female. I dig it. Okay. As we move through the list, I brought this one up already, so we won't spend much time on it, but we, we, we now have force powers from Jedi Fallen Order in canon, in live action, as Ahsoka used the force whispers to kind of piece together the fight between uh, Sabine and Shin. So Cal contributing to the canon. Got to like that milk toast boy. All right, this this really isn't a reference, but I, I wanted to I wanted to put it up there just so Nick and I could talk about it because this is the shit. Like I said, that it gives me little Star Wars chubbies here. But we did get another new planet in Cetos, and we do learn that that structure, which you know, at one point in time, Nick and I are like, hey, this could be similar to the structure on uh, Tython. It's not. It's it's not Jedi. That was made as clear as possible from Balin. Uh, and, and Morgan confirms like, no, this was built by ancients from a different galaxy. Uh, and, and then we get the big thing, the pathway to Peridia. 
And yeah. why it's interesting, Nick, is is Balin's response. He's like, what? That That's a Jedi tale. Like, that's just for kids. That's like what younglings say. You know, kind of like how we have our folklore and shit that used to be rooted in real life, but over time... It has been, you know, fantasticized. The, the meaning the, erodes. Right. Where it, it becomes like, hey, there was a guy that lived in a fucking whale. Like, fuck you. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jonah did not live in a fucking whale. Um, but yeah, same thing here. So it's like, I guess, what, what do you think the path of Pridia, what, what do you think the tales were to the Jedi? Like, the, did it lead to something the Jedi sought? Were the tales like about mysticism? Was it more about the arcane side of the force? I don't know. Like it, it, he left it so broad, but clearly the Jedi are aware of this from a young age. And it, it is, it's like a tall tale to them at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think that one thing that we know for sure about the teachings of the Jedi temple and stuff like that is there's, there's like deep, you learn like deep history, like deep history about not only the known galaxy, but the unknown galaxy. Um, and it's it, like during the time that he would have been a Padawan learner and stuff like that is at the height of the order. And the, the, the discovery of the known galaxy was like, well done already. Like we, it wasn't a time like the, the, you know, like the high Republic where they were still forging hyperspace routes, even into the outer rim, like the, the outer rim was well and truly explored. There were, you know, expeditions out into unknown regions that were happening and stuff like that. So, so to me, for Balin to know about this as a as a tall tale has to be like passed down. And this may be something that's explored in the Acolyte. This may be something that, yeah. that could be explored in 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 like, you know, what I would say, like what is the past in Star Wars? Like Nick, do you think because it is it is like kind of a fantasy for Jedi younglings, do you, do you think they talk about the path of Peridia like it leads to almost like a like a utopia or, or or like this 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 kingdom or this galaxy where there's all this power? Because I asked that because what I really loved about these episodes is it it, it firmly established that Balin could give two fucks about Thrawn. Yeah, no. He, Two fucks. He, I mean, he's like, Morgan, you're nuts. He's like, I can't see past this. Uh, it, it sounds like wishful thinking to me, but whatever. But when she leaves and Shin asks him like, hey, dude, what are we getting ourselves mixed up in, bro? Like, what, what what's this path going to take us to? And the one thing he kind of latches on that seems to excite him is is the power. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of putting out there like th- this path to Peridia is it's at least taught the Jedi is either good or bad that it leads to this place of extreme knowledge and power that could change the galaxy if 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 it were real. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that like one of the things that was discussed in Old Republic like like old canon, old EU canon, old Republic type of things is like the discovery of the Force, where did it come from? Because the Force was discovered on Tython. Um, but nobody knows how or why it was there, you know, like, and you know, well, you're telling me they weren't just little midichlorians crawling around on the ground that jumped in someone's eye, like uh, Baldur's Gate (laughs) three. So like maybe, maybe shit like has been retconned already at this point, or like there's been, there's been canon written over it, but it was always like, you know, prior to midichlorians, it was like, how did the force find its way to our galaxy? And maybe, yeah, this could be it, right? This could be the explanation, huh? Yeah. You know, if that is still something that like is of Star Wars canon and is like of interest to the Jedi is like how, like, 
Maybe how did the midichlorian influence find its way oh, into like the that. known galaxy or something? I like, like that because because didn't you feel when when Balin is is talking the shin? He's like, hey, some want war, some this, others a power you have never seen. Like that seems to be what interests him. Yeah, and it's and it's not Thrawn. I, I like that they made it clear that Thrawn is not this this immense power in the in this ancient yeah. in, in this unfindable galaxy. It's something else yeah. that Balin knows about from those tales about the path, and that's and like, what you, I fucking dig. You you also have to to think too that like up to this point in the Star Wars galaxy, nobody has been able to do intergalactic travel like nobody's been able to leave the galaxy explore another galaxy and come back but that's clearly what this path to peridia is like this this path to peridia is clearly a way of like a source of intergalactic travel right that will take you from the known galaxy somewhere else in the in the assumption is is that somewhere else is like contains a civilization that had already visited you know, the known Star Wars galaxy before. So inherently, because of that, like, at super advanced type of civilization, the the power just in terms of, like, knowledge and technology would be high. But if the assumption is also that, like, these beings from this other galaxy, like, brought somehow brought over force essence or influence into oh, our yeah. galaxy, then then that is, like, well, the well, ultimate dude, source of power. Y- you could almost position it this way. This ancient civilization, they could be very similar to, you know, I'm, I'm being a fuck-off here, but they could be very similar to the aliens that came to Earth and, and taught people how to build pyramids and shit like yeah. that, right? And then they disappear, yeah. and, and we're left to kind of grow into ourselves. So it's almost yeah. like this ancient civilization that they, like you said, they they bring the force here and they're like, good luck. Let's see what fucking how you guys use it. Yeah. I mean, it could be the, it could be that it could be that like the Zephoans and the Rakatans right. were at war and it, it, one of it, them was destroyed. And, you know, like- and to your point, since they're already so they were already so advanced, so advanced that they made it to this unadvanced galaxy that by this time. The force only knows how powerful they could truly be. I mean, if they're coming, if they're able and no one else is able to travel the known universe thousands and thousands of years before the events of Star Wars, where do you think they're at now? I mean, their civilization, they could be so advanced. They're just they're force beings like they don't even have physical fucking bodies, you know, so I, I do like that potential. And that's why when they. When when Ray delivered those lines and there was backstory to it, I'm like, holy shit, we're getting some brand new lore that has never been explored in Star Wars, which is exciting because who knows what branches will now come out of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... And I like where you're going. I like that. I like that concept that they were almost seeding the other galaxies in the universe with the Force, kind of seeing what, what was going to happen, almost like an experiment. Yeah. I mean, you could almost like, and I don't want to like speculate too much, but like if you have these two ancient civilizations that have recently been brought back into Star Wars canon purposefully, like for a reason. Yep. Because uh, they don't do, they don't just like bring up Rakatans for no reason. Like they, like they, they're seeding stuff like that to build on. But if you have these two ancient civilizations and we know that within the known Star Wars galaxy, 
there are two forces of mystical power. One of them used far more widely than the other with the force. But then you also have the night sister magics. Like these were, these were potentially like two competing civilizations that were probably trying to both like expand their influence into this galaxy. And then one of them won out over the other one. Like, you know, why is the force so much more prevalent than night sister magic? And it's not even necessarily that one is better than the other. Like, We've seen so little of Night Sister Magic, but we know it is incredibly powerful. It can raise people from the dead. It can it, it can be used. It can as give a Darth weapon. Maul legs. Like, it, like you can regrow. <laughs> like like the, the I know they were the mechanics, but that. but literally Talzine's the one that she's like well, yeah uh, bippity boo a bopity bee a dippity dippity da yeah, and, and he like grows and, some fucking mechanical legs. Yeah, and this motherfucker's got legs again. So like. How did these two sources of magic get here? Like, if we are truly yep. yeah, like, that's like kind it. of where my brain I like is it. going. I like it. So. No, I'm, I'm, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at. I'm just stupid sometimes. But the way Balin was like, listen, we're in this for whatever fucking powers over there. Because based on my tales as a little kid that Yoda used to tell me when I was going to bed, they've got some serious shit at the end yeah. of that path. All right, all right, dig it, dig it. Yeah, I, I love this type of stuff where it's just brand new Star Wars lore that that is both going to reach back into existing Star Wars lore, but also potentially set up new Star Wars lore for the uh, future. And I don't want to I don't want to bring this up because I know this has been a hot topic for a long time. But what did Ryan Johnson say that his trilogy was going to be about new galaxy, new characters, new everything new like a, a galaxy that is completely unaffected by everything that has gone on in our current Star Wars galaxy. Now, for the first time ever, you've had a new galaxy truly introduced, not just a new planet, an entire new star system, an entire new galaxy where there is potential for the Force to have existed far longer than it has in the known Star Wars galaxy and for there to be other sources of power and mysticism within that galaxy. And again, like we all know that Ryan Johnson's thing is probably not going to happen. But no. like if if he does, if there is some possibility that he comes back and actually does make a trilogy, it would be super interesting if like the seeds of of what we're getting now were planted by him way, way back yeah, then. I, I could get down. I mean, again, I, I don't hate the man. I don't even hate the movie, but he ain't I don't, he ain't coming back. He doesn't need to at this point. I mean, the dude's. He became his own George Lucas in the murder mystery genre, essentially. Yeah, so yeah. he he's fucking set whether he wants to come back and play or not. All right. Co- continuing on with our eggs and references. How about it? We got the Phantom in live action looking beautiful. That little dingy ass ship that they stole at one point in time. You remember, this is this is the Phantom, too, right? There there used to be another detachable ship that got fucked up. <laughs> uh, that's why you got to go watch your Rebels people. And there it is, like Nick said, and, and Nick, I don't think it was a mistake either, even though it just looks like a an oversized Jedi Starfighter hyperspace yeah, ring. The hyperspace. But, you know, she she says it early on, go get the Eye of Scion. And it just makes sense. I mean, if you know the character Darth Scion, the dude's got something with his eye. So it literally is a spot on fucking 
term to slip in there for us hardcore fans, right? I mean, what, what is it, Nick? I mean, the guy's got like one eye that's way larger than the other. I mean, is, is there backstory to that? I know he fucking, he essentially keeps himself permanently almost dead, right? Like that's his thing. Yeah. I mean, his body is technically like decay. Like his body has come apart. Like if you look at Darth Sion, like his body is, is like, yeah, it's like cracking almost. and yeah, it's, it looks yeah. horrific. Yeah. And he's like, he holds his whole essence together just through hatred, like through the dark side of the force. Suck Um, that Vader. You can keep your limbs on you little pussy. I mean, and as for like why the reference to Scion with a hyper, like what we potentially look at right now as a hyperspace ring, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know. Like the deep, I can't remember the deep lore of Scion anymore because it's been so long since I looked into it. Like it was essentially like, Darth Nihilus was the world ender. Like he was, yeah, he was the eater. Lord of hunger. Like he, he could, he could literally siphon the force energy from a planet by himself. <laughs> Darth LBJ, uh, the force over there is called the Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they get to the end of the path of pretty and you see, uh, yeah, just, you see what's Lone his Star. name? Yeah. Lo- Lone Star. Lone Star and, and Darth Helmet. Yeah. <laughs> And dark helmet. Uh, oh shit! But yeah, I mean, like, I don't. I'm. I'm really interested to see if they follow up on any lore specifically around the Eye of Scion. I mean, obviously, we'll find out what this thing does in short order. Um, but clearly, this is something that's this beyond their, just a standard hyperspace. Yeah, yeah I mean, th- this is what's going to allow them to travel the path essentially, and. Yeah. I'll get into why clearly you can't just use a normal ship. I mean, this thing has like what nine hyperdrive engines, they said something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's what they were using. At, you know, the, the Corellian uh, shipyard was building, you know, using the super star destroyer parts yeah. to build a giant hyperspace engine. Yeah, so for think this about thing. Like, <laughs> like one star destroyer has a hyperdrive engine. This thing has nine. So they, they need that power. And, and here's, here's what's going to happen. And I don't know if you saw this, but the the first time Balin and Shin are on Cetos, when the camera peels away, you can hear and see a Pergo in the clouds. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Uh, when the star map goes up and all around that structure, there are Pergils. Pergo, Pergo. Just, just look at the star map. You'll see them. They're like rotating around in blue. Pergo, Pergo, Pergo. They're on the, the structures and whatnot. This Cetos or the ancient or, or the the galaxy we're trying to get to could be the home of Pergils as well. Okay? Could be, yeah. And they I travel mean, back and forth from, from Cetos to this other galaxy. So here's what's going to happen. Because we are at the end of our, our breakdown, so we might as well get into our episode three and beyond predictions here, at least set you up. So what's going to happen tonight in episode three, I'll tell you right now, because Disney cheated. They showed us a, a clip. We're going to get the dogfight between the T-6 and a bunch of those snub fighters that, that Maroc and, and them are flying. So we're going to get some of that. I, I do not think we get to the point where Ahsoka and Sabine are confronting them on the surface of Setos. I think that's going to be episode four. But Nick, what's, what's going to happen here is that the good guys aren't going to be able to stop them from using the Eye of Scion. They're going to get away on that device. And then the good guys are going to be like, man, we're fucked. Where, we, we can't build this thing. She's been building it for like 13 years. This is where the Pergils are going to come in. They're going to remember yeah. that shit. We've seen them in the trailers. And they're going to have to rely on the Pergils to kind of take them in pursuit 
of the eye of Sion. What do you think? Yeah, just just like Atreus in on on the back of Falcor in Never Ending Story. That's right, flying through space. Um, Never yeah, I mean, that, story. <laughs> I mean, that would be. <laughs> it's it's really the only way because, like you said. There's no now, what do you other think about the Pergils? Do, do you think Setos is kind of like their homeworld, or do you think they are from this ancient Civ, and they're essentially what allowed them to get to this galaxy in the first place without crazy technology? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think that they are essentially. I mean, like, well, well we already know, like, have, they can like, do it. That they they took Thrawn there and Ezra clearly, yeah. so they they can travel yeah. between galaxies. And I think it was. I I don't remember if it was confirmed. But I think it was at least mentioned that hyperspace travel was was built off of the back of Pergils. Yes, like people, they are the science for it, 100%. Yeah, they're, they're the exactly. ones that showed it was possible to find these lanes and whatnot. Yeah, and obviously we know from Rebels that the, the connection to Force-sensitive animals is something that both Ahsoka and Ezra oh, have. Yeah. Huge. So, you know, we've already kind of establish the means to which that happens. So Ahsoka is going to commune with these Pergils and either use them to transport, you know, the gaunt, like, the, well, not the gauntlet, because that's uh, what you call it. That's uh, Bo-Katan's ship. But like, what's what's uh, Ahsoka's ship's name? It's called the T-6. It's just called point. the T-6? Yeah, she, I, was, I, don't, I, I don't think I knew that she, was the call sign, but I, I, I don't think she, like she has name. a name for it. No, it's her, okay. even though it's her home, she just, she she hasn't gone the it's route of like, Solo whatever. and Hera. She just, model yeah, number just, only. Yeah, so they're going to take the T-6 out there somehow, because and unless they take the T-6 and the ghost. I mean, that's a possibility I, as well. Well, it, here's another speculation. I do think we we see Hera come to the rescue in the ghost in episode three during the, uh, or maybe four when they're trying to make the jump. But but Hera is going to buck the New Republic brass. And I, I think that's where that once a rebel, always a rebel line is going to come from, where, where she's yeah. going to show up in the nick of time to save Ahsoka and Sabine and, and either send them on their way or join them as they leave the yeah, galaxy I, mean, I can't imagine that that Hera would be like you guys just go without me because I, I feel like at that point she's definitely coming along and yeah I mean episode three stuff seems like it's going to be pretty light because if we're not going to get to the fight it's on a short Chitos it's a yet, short episode too so I think it's only 30 minutes so at most Nick we get I think we get a check-in with Mon Mothma Kaz's dad and the new Republic leadership where Hera's pleading her case uh, the good, the the bad guys obviously will be working towards getting the eye ready. They're gonna learn that Ahsoka and Sabine track them. Uh, Balin's gonna send up uh, Maroc and Shin and and some other fuckers to try and shoot them down. That's not gonna work. And they're gonna make it a planet. And I think Episode yeah. Four is gonna be fighting on the planet and then bad guys getting away. Here we go on the into the path of Peridia narrative. Yeah, yeah. So, um. But yeah, I mean, this, like, it, it's really, I mean, it's, the, the funny thing is, is it's kind of straightforward to figure out how they're going to get there because there's only one way for them to get there. It's basically just like, which ship are you going to take or are you going to take both of them? Um, true. So, true. so yeah, I mean, really, like, we can probably, we'll probably have a light episode for three and then four will get heavy. Um, but I think what I'm really interested to see is, like, are we actually going to like are our here are the heroes actually going to make it to that other galaxy or is it going to be like 
the bad guys get there and come back before they can really yeah you know what that's a that's a that's a good point i i don't know i i think just based on the trailer and seeing that hey we they're clearly flying around the pergola who knows maybe it was a mistake and they're they're just trying to land on Cetos's surface and, and we already know pergils are hanging out in their atmosphere and they're not actually trying to jump with one but yeah you, you do have a point it, it could be you know what's the point of jumping to the galaxy and hanging out you know you would think they jump grab Thrawn get him on the eye and pfft, let's get and back and start back. wreaking yeah. havoc so I think you, you know that that's a valid theory but I don't know I there's a part of me that feels like the two, the two ladies are going to get mixed up in yeah. heading there and, and potentially some world between worlds tie ins with it. Yeah. Cause I like, I want them to make it because I want to see it. Yes. Like I want to see <laughs> yes. this new place. Obviously I, I want them to make it, but the, the question then arises, like, do they like make a, do they like taxi this pergill and is like, all right, look, we're going to hang out there for like a couple days. You just wait outside and we'll let you know when we want to come yeah, back. Well, I mean, it could be, you know, the whole thing that they can potentially communicate. It, it could be like, hey, we need a ride there. And all right, now we need a ride back. Kind of yeah, like now, how, now kind of like how Ezra somehow channeled them to show up, only attack the Chimera, only grab Thrawn and then take them all and out. Then, so yeah, it does, it does seem like they're very amenable to command yeah. yeah it's like it's like intergalactic uber you just like exactly. you're like all right i need to be picked up i need a pergil you know, come, come at this swing, swing uh, yeah these coordinates please i'll take pergil black yeah i exactly. go with one of the big ones the luxury yeah. pergil I, I need a larger vehicle for all this right, because right. we know how the bad guys are getting back the oh, eye unless the, unless they somehow destroy well, the you, eye you fucking see thron on the bridge of the eye yeah you the see you see like, let, it's like go. you see the back of him he's, he's on this motherfucker we know they get him but it, it is interesting to see, like, we have never seen anybody but Ezra have have the ability to really reach out to the Pergils. Like, right. we've never seen Ahsoka do it. Like, we know that Ahsoka well, has... Yeah, if anyone can, it would be her. I mean, yeah, she like, started as a newborn, so she's pretty yeah. decent at talking to animals. <laughs> exactly. So, like, we, we know that she has the ability to commune with these Force-sensitive creatures but we've just never seen her do it with that particular one. Now, the question is, like, I think the biggest open question right now is still around Ezra. I think that, like, up to this point, we have a pretty comfortable idea of, like, where we're going and how we're getting there for both sides of the party, like, for the bad guys and the good guys. The biggest question mark is, like, are we going to get there and Ezra is there as well? Or are we going to get there and we still don't know where Ezra is? Because the, the the big Ezra issue is that like, it seems like Elsbeth knows where Thrawn is, even within this galaxy to a certain degree. But the problem is, is that Ezra can't be far from him. Like, and what, what, where could Ezra be? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. If he's not with Thrawn. You would think, I mean, I, I, um, I, I watched a clip on social media of the ending of Rebels and the, the, the Chimera gets very fucked up. I mean, yeah. it has three pergils pulling it. It's all smashed in. So you'd have to assume that once they get to the, the, this, this galaxy that they had to find somewhere to either land or at least head down to ground. Yeah. I mean, like, did they get fucking popped into like an into an atmosphere like 
It, it, yeah, because they took them from Atmos. Like, literally, they disappear yeah. right above the city of, of Lothal. So you could assume they showed up right in the atmosphere of wherever they're at in this galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you, you'd have to think that the, the, the ship needed to land, at least, if they're going to try to repair it. And at that point, you know, there there there's great case to be made that that Ezra could get away and and, and kind of start doing his own yeah. thing wherever the fuck they're at. But yeah, <laughs> I would assume we're gonna meet Thrawn on a planet and not in space. Who knows? I mean, that, that's my guess. Yeah. I, unless the, you you could also argue the Chimera is fully fixed at this point in time too. Yeah, I mean, the Chimera could be fully repaired, and he's still using that as like his home slash right. flagship. But then it then it becomes an issue of like if if Ezra is not with him, how do you even go about finding him? Like your communications devices probably exactly. don't even work in this new right. galaxy. Like uh so, so that's that's the confusing part, which leads me to believe that like it some way, shape, or form, my thought has always been like those two had to decide to be like, look, we're both fucked if we don't work together somehow. Like we don't like we don't even know where we are, much less anybody to contact to help us. So like you, you need to make a decision. Do we, does one of us die here? And then the other one, like, do we just fight to the death? And then the other, the one that lives just potentially dies here anyway. And they have like a cock off. Yeah. It's like, or do we decide (laughs) to like, now that we're in this unknown, like truly unknown space, do we decide to like put aside our differences for now in the favor of survival? And then once we get to a point to where like we're we're back in our own space again then we can go back to our you know our 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 old ways yeah, our old posturing yeah who knows yeah cuz it's like if he's not with Thrawn and he's not Merrick or Maroke or whatever his name is which at this point I don't even see how he could be Merrick it would be um, damn, damn near impossible yeah like you know what's funny dude somehow to a, a month, almost a month and a half later, people found my video about Merrick potentially being Ezra Starkiller or Barris on TikTok, and it's blown up. Hey. And they're like, "You're an idiot!" Then you see them like motherfuckers. It, it, July thirteenth. I'm not an idiot. I'm a goddamn savant. You cunts. Yeah. I mean, it's so get and used the thing to is, it. It's like Merrick up in like Merrick right now is Maroc. Yeah, mo- <laughs> I mo- swear. Mo- at one point, I thought he was saying Maroc. I was like, "What the yeah. fuck?" It's M A R R O K, Merrick. Yeah. No, it's Maroc. Maroc. But like up until this point, he's a nobody. He's still. a mute. Yeah. Like he's, as far as we can tell, he's the standard inquisitor that is some, for he's some not, reason. He's not, listen, I, I, love my, I love my boy Devin. Sorry, Nick, but he's not the eighth brother. The dude has a full set of fingers. The eighth brother was an alien. He does not have five fingers. Okay. Yeah. It's over. So, it's not eighth brother. It can't be Ezra. So it's it's still down the Barris or Starkiller. Barris or Starkiller. And here you go, Nick. Guess who got credited with additional voice work in the credits? Is it Sam Whitwer? Sam fucking Whitwer. Well, then, yeah, it's going to be... It didn't say who. It just said he was listed with a bunch of random names, additional voice work provided, and Merrick doesn't even talk, so who the fuck knows? But it is a little itchy if Sam's included. You know what I mean? And, and I, yeah. I still... Listen, I know you're not a huge fan, but... This show is all about masters and apprentices, and to pair Anakin's apprentice with Vader's apprentice, there there is a little narrative juice in there. Yeah, I mean, you just have to reestablish him as as 
and, and again, like this is another. This is the the, the persistent oh, and, and issue. By the with way, pe- the, with people Filoni that don't Star like Wars. people getting stabbed and living. Guess who else took a saber to the torso? Like worse than Sabine, Star Killer. Go yeah. back to the game. Fucking Vader stabs him in the fucking back to appease Palpatine. Yeah, like I mean, if, if there's <laughs> if there's one issue with Filoni Star Wars, it's that it's that he gets too cute with shit. And I think that the Starkiller move is honestly just being too cute with shit. All right. Um, because it's like, it's not serving the narrative in any way. Like, because then you have to reestablish this character as Darth Vader's apprentice. And how are you going to do that in a show that has a, like, you, you, a dude, short you're not, episode? you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. But I, like, I just, stars are starting to align is all I'm going to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely right. And I hope that they can do it well, because if you don't do it well, then it's just like, well, now you've thrown another name in there, which you didn't do a good job at explaining (laughs) and is now like, what is it? Is it canon from Force Unleashed? Like, are we just recanonizing Force Unleashed? Like I said last week. Is it just Force Unleashed 1 or is it Force Unleashed 2? Like, there's it a lot seems, of questions. I, I think what they'll do, it'll be selective canon. It'll be, yeah, we're, the character is loosely based on Galen Merrick from the game, but it's not necessarily the same person. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's, that's, that's fine if they do it, but it's like, if they keep doing stuff like this just to be cute, then you hit, like, you, you, you start to just, you get bloated in terms of content. You get Agreed. bloated in terms but, but of like meaningless me content. Hear me out. Let's say they, they do position it this way. That opens the door for Darth Vader fucking prequel teaching his apprentice. I, ho- I mean, like, I hope that they actually <laughs> follow great through would that on be? that. You, it, know it, it's not gonna, you know it's not going to happen, but hey, how great would that be? That would be fucking it would fantastic. Be. It, it would be great and if that's the if that's the road that they do then i'll come back and say like hey like they clearly followed this up really well (laughs) but as of right now it's like they would still almost have to end this series with with like a you know like a title card as they do in the mcu like star killers past will be revealed something like that that. (laughs) this guy that ahsoka killed will be revealed yeah I i don't know it'll be interesting to see but this character up until this point is definitely positioned in a way where it's regardless of who it is is going to be really difficult to try to yeah. smash hey. them in with all of the other stuff that's if anything happened. ahsoka beasted him when she just did that casual sidestep to avoid his his spinning blade of death I, I did like that move that was the one time ahsoka looked really cool in this series you know, he, he jumps on the ramp calls his blade back and yeah. she barely even tries to avoid like, it that is the perfect moment to be like stoic and have no emotion. Yeah, yeah to look just like be a like, fucking what, boss. What, yeah, it's like what you've done didn't even like cause me to flinch. Like, you know, that yep. is that was the perfect time to do it. It's Everything also a callback to um, an Anakin moment. Uh, I don't know if you remember. I think it was in the final season. He's on that bridge with Kenobi. Kenobi's forces are yeah, pinned and down. Yeah, he's just standing he's just, yeah, he's there. Just standing he's like, like barely. Shooting he, around. Yeah, he's barely moving his head to avoid it getting popped off by blaster fire. So that was, yeah, that was yeah. fun. Um, I have a random screen up on the on the screen, Nick, and I just want to point out to people that if you look over Thrawn's right shoulder, you can see a dude in like a white and gold mask. Yeah, Th- that's gonna be Enoch. Apparently. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's that's, that's like gonna his, be his new henchman in this galaxy. All right, before we leave leave this uh, breakdown, I know Nick's gotta get out of here. I might be doing the rest of the show myself, but I do want to 
ask him three more questions. Balin's endgame, you, you're, you, you kind of touch on this. You do think he may ultimately turn once he kind of figure, figures out what exactly is going on? He's already talked more sentiment. Like, even, like, and this is what Morgan said in the show, like, a lot of sentimentality for the Jedi way from Balin immediately. Like, you know, talking about, you know, it would it will be sad to kill Ahsoka, talking about his training with the path of Peridia during the time when he was a Jedi Padawan, like a lot of sentimentality for that, that, that time period. And I'm wondering if his end game, like if, if he sees, like when he finally sees the end game, if he realizes like this was a mistake, do you, like, do you think this, he's using Morgan a bit? I definitely think that he's using Morgan to like finally to, to finally fulfill his dream of like reaching this, this power threshold that has been up to this point, just a, like an imaginative dream. Yeah. It's cause it's not like he even knew that that's what the star map was going to show, you know, like yeah. he, he reacted yeah. surprised. So I, I wonder if like, once he saw that he started kind of cooking up some new ideas in his head versus just getting paid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it went from, yeah, I'm, I'm, helping you because you paid me handsomely to oh now this can serve my own end game yeah because now it, it went from just like oh yeah i'm a mercenary helping this person out blah 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 i don't really give a fuck about this thrawn guy like you do what you do and then i'm gonna be on with it and then as soon as he realized like path to peridia like new galaxy right, reminds like, oh, him of ding, something ding, like ding. that it's like but i think what's gonna end up happening is like he's gonna it, it's gonna be like the moment that all villains hit when they realize that what they have been seeking is far over their head, far further over their head than they could have imagined. Yeah. And I think it's going to be like, if it really is zombie shit, then you know, that's what it is. But I feel like for somebody who does have sentimentality for the Jedi way, even at this point, he's going to see something like that. And he's going to be like, this cannot be allowed to come into our galaxy. Because I think that like, and this is going to be an interesting part about the show is like, do we, do we get back? Like if we go there, do we get back? And the the question of do we get back is because if it really is an army of the magically risen undead or even potentially worse than that, that's not a threat to one side. Like that is a threat to the existence of the known galaxy in its entirety. And if they have somehow, if they somehow find a way to not only open the path to Peridia for a one and back journey, but to keep it open and allow entities from that galaxy to funnel into the known Star Wars galaxy. It's the end of life as you know it within the Star Wars galaxy. It's not just like, oh no, it's the rise of the Empire again. It's not that. It is it's the a power end. beyond his control that's exactly. freaks him the fuck out. Do you, do you yeah. also think, Nick, maybe possibly he could see Shin being affected by it and that kind of changes him? I, I think like that she almost Shin, becomes she almost becomes like drunk with the whatever yeah. they run into. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that like like Shin is definitely going to skew more towards Morgan then he's going to feel comfortable with. Yeah. And like, that's going to cause a division between them two, because like, even at this point you can see that like Shin is, is dark and 
dark power hungry and and has no remorse for what she does like she is almost truly evil to her core oh, yeah she's a weapon or, like he just unleashes yeah. her and like Balin has a morality clause within his self still and like that's why a lot of the struggle has come up even around like just ahsoka as a person so i think that like He's going to have a real problem with whatever they okay. find right. across the path. Yeah, it just like, like I, I wanted to see what you thought his end game was because he is not. He is so far from the. No, yeah, I'm going to take this over. I want all the power. I want to lead this. He truly seems like I'll do whatever for cash. But he also he has a plan for him and Shin. It, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, I think that his plan is definitely like you guys do whatever you want with this blue guy. I. I know from stories yeah, that yeah, I've okay. read right. what is over there and I want to be able to use and exploit yep. that. But I think it's going to be like, it's going to be like, and this is like a weird callback, um, but it's going to be like Indiana Jones four where like the guy, like they get into the alien ship at the end and then all of the aliens start feeding that like beam or that like all of the, 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 the interdimensional information into the bad guys like brain and he just explodes yeah Yeah, and he's like no more no more like it's gonna be like that it's gonna be like this is this is this is what i expected it to be but it's on such a scale that i can't even comprehend what it can possibly i I mean all all guys with a little bad guy edge to them they always think they can control everything you know nothing is too big for them so yeah okay i can buy into that all right since we're speaking of these two you know Dave's love of wolves. I don't know if you've you've come across this reveal, but uh, in Norse mythology, the wolf gods Skull and Hati constantly chase the sun and moon, and when they catch them, Ragnarok occurs. Well, there we go. <laughs> so it's pretty it's pretty laid out there because you know I mean Dave did not pick their names on accident. Yeah, especially with his, you know, like I said, I mean, he's got a, a weird thing with wolves and and the fact that he he kind of plucked this North mythology out there in the story of chasing the sun and moon. I mean, you could argue the sun and moon could be Sabine and Ahsoka. And, you know, once they catch them, all hell breaks loose or the sun, the moon is whatever they're seeking out in this galaxy. And whenever they find it, they they bring the destruction of the world upon everyone. So. Yeah. Uh, just so, keep that in the back <laughs> of your mind as this goes on. Yeah. I mean, I Ragnarok is definitely not a good thing. And I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting now that we have, again, like, like I a, said, that, that, they're, they're my favorite two characters, hundred percent. And last yeah. thing, I think everyone noticed this. I mean, yeah, there was a, a nod to, uh, when Sabine's cutting her hair, it was almost frame for frame to when uh, Kanan was ready to rejoin it. But also the end was damn near shot for shot the epilogue. So the, yeah, the epilogue like has been yeah. rewritten at this point, people. Okay, it's it's over. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm still banking on Ahsoka the White making an appearance, but they, I mean, from the moment Sabine walks into the mural hall, touches it, looks at the camera, looks out to Ahsoka. They are verbatim parallels to the epilogue. So yeah, good stuff so there. We're, we're, we're living the epilogue now. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see yeah, where it goes. You're right. You're right. 100%. 
Okay, so that uh, kind of brings our breakdown of Ahsoka and our setup for S1E3 to a close. We do have some interesting news for an upcoming episode, though. All right, we, we've all been talking about Anakin's arrival. Uh, Lucasfilm finally was like, fuck it, we'll just put him in the trailer. So I, I don't really even feel like this is a, a, a big spoiler anymore. But based on runtimes and word of mouth, everyone should prepare for Anakin's arrival in episode five. Which that's, is, that's the Filoni one. Yep, right? that's Dave's second and uh, Cryptic HD Quality who's pretty damn good at these um, picks on runtimes, has episode five listed at 49 minutes, 50 seconds. So 46 minutes of content. That will be one of the longest uh, Star Wars Disney Plus episodes to date. So it does make sense. Um, I'm not going to go into how he's going to show up. Uh, I would just say it, it, it may not be a flashback, but it may incorporate some other wonky Star Wars stuff that Rebels introduced that allows people to kind of look at things from the past, present, or future. Okay? We've all talked about the WBW. It's going to be used in Episode 5, at least once. Yeah, it would be hard for them to not incorporate the world between worlds in this for sure. So it's not surprising that that. that they but yeah, if, if if you tuned into Ahsoka for uh, Sky Guy, it, it's going to be episode five. And this coming from Bespin Bolton, a lot of people have nailed it down. There, it just everything lines up. It's Dave's next directorial uh, episode. It's long. So yeah, we're we're I think episode five is gonna get really fucking far out for some people that aren't ex- used to uh, time travel in alternate realities in Star Wars. <laughs> All right, yeah. it'll be fun. When's um, your when's yeah. your heart out? You got to hit it, dude. It's fine if you do. Um, I can cover the errors cool. in the fan segment if uh, you want. If six thirty my time is when I'd like. All right, to l- let's do the errors. We still real got quick. some time. Okay, good. Okay. So moving on from Ahsoka, don't forget, hey, we, we're, we're essentially doing a, a pre-watch party these days on the Star Wars Time Show. So thanks for joining. Woohoo. We're going to watch it tonight, or at least I will. Uh, and, and as I said, join us in Discord to chat about it after. It's always fun to kind of drop our speculations. But uh, yesterday or Sunday, StarWars.com released yet another new eras document or web page. You know, Nick's shaking his head over there because this is like the, the 50th time they've done this. It used yeah. to be three eras, then it went to six, now it's at nine. And I guess the only reason to kind of look at this is because you, you truly get to see what Lucasfilm considers canon these days. And that is important as stuff is starting to cross over from non-traditional mediums like video games. So the eras now start at Dawn of the Jedi, but they're blacked out because nothing has happened. All right. That's supposed to be according. Yeah. According to rumor, this is the Mangold. Yeah, that that would be Mangold will flush this out. They then move into the Old Republic. So the Old Republic is at least canonized now through an era. (laughs) What is so interesting is that like they don't list KOTOR 1, KOTOR 2 or Star Wars, the Old Republic, the MMO game. They don't put anything in it. So. I don't know if they have just decided to not like canonize those yet. Cause they do have video games that oh, are yeah. included and, and, and in these like, breakdowns. Like I said, that's one of the reasons I'm, we're talking about this because they are now considering modern star Wars video games as Canon. As we said, 
some of the stuff from Fallen Order that that uh, Respawn kicked out is now Jedi powers in the Star Wars universe. So from the Old Republic, we then go to the High Republic. This is the Golden Era, all right? You got to remember that you had the Dawn of the Jedi, everything's great. The Old Republic are where the Jedi split, and that's where the Sith come from. The High Republic is, is where the Jedi think they vanquished the Sith, and they're, they're on their high horse settling the Outer Rim. But this is where we start to get non-traditional properties. So Star Wars, the High Republic, comics, books, you name it. All, all canon for that era. Stuff. Young Jedi Adventures, the uh, kids series, all canon for the High Republic era. Um, I'm assuming the Acolyte is not in there because it has not seen the light of day yet in the way Hollywood is going these days. I'm yes. sure Lucasfilm, they don't even know if they will ever air it because it's like in strike limbo fuck. Uh, from High Republic, we move to what is now called the Fall of the Jedi. This uh, I don't even know what the hell this used to be the the age. This, Didn't this be yeah, the age a, of the Republic, right? I think yeah, it was either that or the Grand Republic. At yeah. one point, this was called the Grand Republic. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, so yeah. Fall of the Jedi is now from Phantom Menace to Tales of the Jedi, Clones, Clone Wars, and Revenge. What's interesting to me is like, and like we don't have to dig into this too much, but. Is the Republic that we see in the prequels now considered the end of the High Republic? No, like, it, it is. It's referred to as the Grand Republic. So still, it's, okay. So it it it, tr- it transitions from the High Republic to the Grand Republic. But that's not an er- the Grand Republic is not an era. <laughs> okay, cool. correct, correct. It it the Grand Republic takes place during the Fall of the Jedi era. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, and the High <laughs> okay. Republic takes place during the High Republic. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was just wondering. I was like, did they did they just extend the High Republic to to encompass no. that whole time period, and then that's why they just don't make any mention of yeah, the for Grand some Republic reason? Anymore. You would think the High Republic fits better for the prequels because the Jedi were literally high. Okay? Yeah. Like they. Yeah. They, they were so <laughs> fucked up that they let one dude destroy them and the galaxy yeah. where the high republic their golden age that should have been the grand republic the, the grand republic yes, it okay. makes more sense to be called that there we go okay. all right thank you so from the fall of the jedi we then transition into reign of the empire with bad batch naturally kicking that off then fallen order solo kenobi series survivor andor rebels vader immortal a vr game canon which is crazy because like he's at his fucking house, like talking the Padme aliens and shit, and then Rogue One. Okay, so that's Reign of the Empire. Age of the Rebellion, which is still technically the Reign of the oh, fucking Empire, right? Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. shit. How the I fuck mean, is Rogue One in Reign, in of, the Reign of the Empire? Because it takes place a day before. <laughs> But, it, but it's rebellion, okay. like it's open rebellion. It is. It, Same it, with it is Andor is, is open rebellion. Eh, whatever. Like I would, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so fucked. I would end, and I haven't played Vader Immortal, so I don't know anything about it. But I would end Reign of the Empire at Rebels and then have Rogue yes. One start Age of Rebellion. I mean, dude, but, we could get really fucking minutia and, you know, Rebels season four should be... Yeah. In like, in Reign of the Empire. Or, or I'm sorry, Age of Rebellion. Age of the Rebellion, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we start so parsing like, out seasons. It's just, it's weird to me that, like, 
more than anything, Rogue One feels out of place, but okay. Okay, um, this is the weird one to me. But they got squadrons in Asia Rebellion, and I know it takes place after Return of the Jedi. Like, it, I, yeah. I know it does. But I guess yeah. uh, Battlefront 2, I guess technically Operation Cinder, the Empire still operates that for, what, three or four years? In, yeah, that one kind of lives in both worlds, though, because that that campaign is split. Like, it's split with Operation Cinder, like... Well, it, it the starts the Battle of Endor, right? Like, Iden exactly. starts on the Battle of Endor. Yeah, and then there's the deployment of Operation Cinder, Cinder right. and then there's, like, a gap. There's, like, a two-year gap in that campaign, and then you come back to it. So, well, it, yeah. Like, I mean, Squadrons I, 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 is all set after Return of the Jedi, but I think in, it's, like, the final military battle to, to get rid of the, the, the strong remnant, the, I guess. Yeah, like, the... Yeah, but like I thought that like in Battlefront 2 at the last half of that campaign, the New Republic had already been established. Yeah, no, no, no. So. Even in Squadrons, <laughs> you have the New Republic for yeah. sure. I mean, Hare is a general, okay. you're listening to her and yada, 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 no doubt. That's what, okay. Uh, well, I mean, well, they, it, it's just like, it's the same thing with Rebels. We like, hey, part of the game should have its toe dipped in the Rebellion pool. Part of the game should have its toe dipped in the Republic. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Squadron should be New Republic. Yes, 100%. Yes, 100%. Battlefront 2, fine, it takes place in both eras, but Squadron should be New Republic. Yeah, so so New Republic technically doesn't kick off until Mando, and then you got Book of Boba and Ahsoka. Rise of the First Order, my buddy Kaz in Star Wars Resistance, the trilogy, and And uh, Tales Tales from Galaxy's Edge, another VR experience. A VR game. And, and then the new Jedi order. Yeah, so so this the eras are bookended by the supposedly two stuff. new movies that will never see the light of day. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll see if those actually So there you um, go. We now we went from two eras to three eras <laughs> to six. Fair. Now we're at nine. Yeah. I, I mean I I get They all it have their own logo. You know, you you, you gotta yeah. give them that, right? They all got their and own logo. And they are distinctive in terms of like what is occurring during these eras, but I really do feel like the age, like it's so hard. From, from reign of I, the empire through new Republic shit gets a little like you, you could, you could definitely debate it. Close. I would even say that like reign of the empire and age of rebellion should just be one. It should be its era. Yeah. Yeah. Like it should be one era. Well, um, yeah. Because the rebellion pretty much starts we see it i i mean it starts during bad batch that's only a year or two after the fucking empire and, takes over yeah it could so like to me like bad batch and jedi fallen order should be in fall of the jedi you start reign of the empire at solo and then everything from solo through battlefront 2 should be in the same era like i mean i know that you want i know that they really want to like they really want to distinguish between like like the true rise of the rebellion and like the fall of the empire and like the time where the empire was at its strongest but it the, the delineation between those is so small that like i don't know yeah i mean i guess that's fine but it, like dude it seems that this was their their measuring stick was hey if it took place Five years before the Battle of Yavin, it's Reign of the Empire. Straight yeah, up. Yeah. I mean, that, that's where we're at. Yeah. So, I mean, my, so like as it's broken down now, it's like, it's, it's fine. But like, I would move Rogue into Age of Rebellion. I would move Squadrons into New Republic. And then, I mean, 
Yeah, I think everything else is fine. I'll tell you what, we, we bitch and moan about Disney and Star Wars, but if you do look at this, they, they have added to the to the canon, if anything. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, they, they bought they, they bought it with six movies in a cartoon. So, yeah. I and mean, like, look at everything. Now. They, they've added so much. We now have nine fucking eras. I mean, yeah, granted, not everything's perfect, but at least they did an EA the fuck out of it like EA did with the uh, video game licenses. So yeah, true. There's that. So, I guess we're getting something. <laughs> yeah. So fun, fun times for those of you who are trying to track errors right. in Star Wars. Just give it another two years, and that will change again. Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll be up to twelve at this point yeah, when when Ray's movie kicks off. We'll, it'll be the new new Jedi Order. Yeah. The I new mean, new not Jedi Order. All right, people. So we can get uh, young Nick out of here to take his lady love out. We are moving into our fan segment for E275. We do it every week. One of the only asshat podcasts to dedicate a segment to its fans. We start with the question of the week, which was uh, very under-responsed, but we will cover it. The question goes up on Instagram at StarWarsTime.show on Tuesdays. You can see it in our stories. You can see it in our profile. You just half to leave a damn comment okay don't forget to subscribe like this video share it tell your mom tell your dad tell your dog all right let's go ahead and get switched over to question of the week time the question naturally is we we can kind of get into the lazy questions i just asked you hey what did you like or not like about star wars uh questions to fans Nick, if you want to start reading the responses, yes, have at I it will, while I, my shitty old computer slowly tries <laughs> to pull them up. I will kick it off with at Skeleton Astronaut on Instagram. Uh, favorite or least favorite part of Ahsoka episodes one and two. He says, Sabine's freeway chase in, sli- in slide with rock music wasn't my favorite. It was basically the show saying, please think she's badass. <laughs> well, okay. he's, he's, he's with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have liked it a lot better if they would have followed up on just, the personality. Just stuck, yeah, stuck with that, that, that rad yeah. intro. It would have been sick. Uh, League of Extraordinary Sixthers, Sixthers says, not enough force pull slash push in Rebels. The characters were flying all over the place and using the force pull push to their advantage with objects. I mean, up until this point, there's only one, two, what are there? Three characters on screen that can do force push pull. So I, I, I saw uh, Balin and Shin throwing some motherfuckers yeah, were, on that were, new Republic ship, but they were doing a little bit. Don't worry. In the next few episodes, you'll see, uh, Sabine try to do the force yeah, push fake, and fail. Fake force push. If anything, yeah. if rumors are true, we're, we're, we'll probably see Ezra do some fucking wild shit with the force. So, yes, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Um, so League of Extraordinary Sixthers, not enough force pushing and pulling, he says. Uh, press pause photography. He says, I love the slow burn approach. Getting to know these characters in the situation before the fuse goes off is a great choice, and I can't wait to see how it pays off. The villains in particular yes. are really intriguing, and I love the time we're spending with them. Can't wait to learn more. Costume and set design are also That fantastic. is one thing. He brings up a that good point right. that this show does feel like they're giving equal time to the good guys and villains. Like they're developing them both with the same pace. It's not just, Hey, all good guys. And then the bad guys. Are like, oh. Yeah. It's like, you just check in for right. like the, like evil yeah, they're, they're like mixing okay. an evil potion or shooting someone, you know, that type of shit. Yeah. So they, they have been given good time. Uh, Bango 31 says little bit of a cheap at any time. Balin was on screen. 
Love his character so far. Also loved to see E-Wings on screen for the first time. Can't think of anything I don't like. Thought it was a very solid premiere. All right. And then Bat hits us with two gifts. One, I'll tell you, was, was He-Man doing the having the power of Grayskull. And the uh, other was Shin whipping out her lightsaber. So Yeah, I mean, Shin was definitely maybe, a highlight. Maybe Bat was on some acid when he was dropping them down. <laughs> but I'm guessing <laughs> but, uh, he, he liked the, the, the blade action. Yeah, yeah. He likes the fighty, fighty, slashy, slashy. Um, one thing I will say about Shin and the way that I know she's going to, she's going to like really go tweaked out bad. Shin has crazy eyes. Oh yeah. And like, if you've ever looked at somebody for the first time and like looked at their eyes and be like, these, this motherfucker is nuts. Like that's Shin. Like Shin, you can look at her and be like, she is unstable to a degree that nobody (laughs) else in this show really is to this point. Balin doesn't have that like instability that you see. Like, like Shin is a, is like a fuse that just got lit and it's just, and she's going to explode sometime soon. Um, all right. And then the last one here playing with fantastic my handle alert, by the it's way, fantastic so handle. You, you, you could take it multiple ways. There's definitely a, a double entendre here. What, definitely playing with my three, entendre. seven, five. That's what I say <laughs> all the time. Four inches is fine. <laughs> Uh, he says, least favorite part is that I haven't seen it yet. My favorite part is that I haven't had it spoiled yet. <laughs> I mean, it is. There have been a surprising lack of spoilers out there because I wasn't as like, uh, as intent on not going on the internet uh, like I usually am between like the drop and when I watched it because I just watched the episodes today. So I like always watch them on the day of the ep- on the day we record for like a fresh perspective on like this is how I feel on things, and I didn't get much if anything spoiled. Um, there really wasn't this, anything too spoiled, really. Yeah, like, like that was, I mean, most of it was trailer based, and anything else that wasn't, it wasn't like a <gasps> what? Yeah, it wasn't like a huge yeah, reveal I mean, or it's, something. It's, it's like all that. set up, like Connor said. I mean, I, I do like the slow burn, like he said. There is going to be a fuse that is, eventually is going to. Um, light go off and, and here we go off to the races. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So great, great handle. Stuff, love, always love getting a new handle in there. That is a f- playing with my three, seven, five. Why couldn't I be good, clever good. with handles? <laughs> All, right. All right. And now that we're finished with the band question of the week, we're going to move on to the top five star Wars artists, fan features of what, the what? week. So in order to get involved with this little segment here, make sure to add tag at Star Wars time dot show on all of your Star Wars Instagram posts. That's how you get on our radar. That's where I pick the top five from. So make sure to do that. Add tag. Yeah, at Star make sure Wars everyone time heard that. Show. Okay. Nick only pulls these from ad tag. I call from everywhere with my little daily videos. The man himself, if you want your glory on Tuesday night, Ad tag at Star Wars time. Gotcha. And we have like we have seen an uptick. People are using the ad it's tag working. more. We're it's getting working. we're your, getting your pleas are working. Your pleas are working. Yeah. So uh, tell your friends out there if they are Star Wars artists and or photographers to add tag at Star Wars time show. You could find yourself on this here little segment, and then also toss the the hashtag Star Wars time show on there as well because. I think we're over 150,000 uses of the oh, hashtag. Yeah. We're, we're in the 160s, brother. There we go. 160,000 uses. So beautiful stuff. All right. First up in the top five is at Federico underscore Buble. 
uh, on the Instagram. And what we have here is an excellent shot of our favorite clone, Captain Rex, and some phase one boys behind him. Uh, this is at probably at the height of the uh, Republic era, the Grand Republic era, even there though it's not an era anymore. Um, the Grand Republic. And it's just, yeah, it's just a great action shot of Rex. You can see that the, the weathering on the figure is actually what like first... Uh, really caught my eye here because uh, I don't know if it came weathered oh, like no, no. this or that's, if Federico did that. That's aftermarket for sure. He probably yeah. did a little shoe polish wash on that bad boy. Nick, yeah. looking at this again, I mean, that the phase the the pure phase one helmet with the fin is fucking. I love it. Dope. I love it. It's, now, it's my favorite. Yeah, helmet. I, I think you're right for just a pure clone. But do you not appreciate that Rex kind of asked for a hybrid? Yeah. Because he kept he, the, he kept the phase one visor. He kept a little bit, little of, bit the of the fin, fin, but the bottom is more shaped like a phase two helmet. It is like he he definitely had a custom make. He went to the uh, he went to the Republic uh, armor and was like, look, man, I, I need something that fits me, my personality a little but, bit. But more. I think Here's, I think you're right. Just the pure phase one. I mean, it, it, it has the Mandalorian kind of ties to it maybe Django had a little input on yeah. their on their armor early on but I don't know either way great shot from Federico underscore buble b-u-b-l-e right good stuff next up is at trooper underscore outpost and uh he has set this photo on the forest moon of Endor if you see right that's where it's located so these are two stormtroopers working their way through the dense jungles of Endor. They definitely look lost. <laughs> if I could, uh, you big, know, maybe big surprise fucking bucket yeah. heads fucking it's like up. What, like one of them is just kind of like looking off in the distance. It's like based uh, off of this map, yeah, there's a big ass to mountain be there. He's like, yeah, it's yeah, supposed it's like, to be there, Bob. Well, I don't know, Joe, maybe yeah. we made a wrong turn. Clearly they've been bushwhacking their way through the jungle based off of the weathering that we see on their, on their armor. Um, they have their communicator backpacks on as well. Doesn't seem like they can get in touch with their uh, with their squad leader at all. And they're just kind of wandering around the forest mood of Endor with no clue where they're going. But I mean, like what really makes this, I think it's excellent depth of field in terms of mm-hmm. um, like the, the, the environmentals of the shot itself. Excellent weathering. The posing is great as well. Just overall, it really does feel like these guys are just like out in the bush, kind of like trying to figure out where to go on the fuck. Not again. (laughs) You're never allowed to be patrol leader, Bill. Yeah. But, you know, once again, it just shows you how fucking cool the Empire looked, if anything. Like, I'm sorry. Stormtroopers might be bozos, but those fucking helmets kick ass. They look sick. All right. So that was at Trooper underscore outpost on Instagram. Next up. This is uh, an awesome shot from at J Khaled underscore M uh, on Instagram. And it is a it's a portrait up close and personal shot. ESB Luke right after his run in with the Wampa. You can see the big bloody like uh, scar right on his face. Still fresh. His blue lightsaber ignited right next to the other other side of his face, kind of giving that blue glow. And it really is just like an excellent up close portrait um, of our hero of heroes, Luke Skywalker. Yeah, it's Bespin Luke. He's in his Bespin fatigues. Uh, reading the caption here, it looks like the talented at one six J 
added that that scar like that it oh, doesn't wow. it doesn't come that pronounced I, I actually have this figure sitting in a box because i only have one arm i've not really been able to enjoy my hot toys coming in i got the lovely uh, boba cad bane but alas one hand i gotta say my right to masturbate so i don't want to touch too many boxes if you know what i'm talking <laughs> about uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a kick ass figure. I do like portraits. Obviously, that's kind of my thing. And and I want to get back to them. I've got a I got a, a lineup of lovely looking hot toys that need their photos taken. But uh, alas, I'm an asshole that likes to break myself. So I got to wait until I get two arms back. But that's uh, our buddy Jay Khaled underscore M on Instagram. Good stuff. And to close out the top five for this week is Darth Don Dada. He's been putting out some good work recently, and this shot here is of the best baddie in the Star Wars universe, Darth Vader. And it's the way that this shot is lit with the, 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 the red light all around Vader, the red lightsaber ignited, the cape whipping as he walks along. And what we have never really seen Vader with in, in any property a or like that we've really seen him use is a Sith holocron floating right above his hand, seeking the knowledge of the dark side of the force, probably early on in his days as Vader, uh, would definitely be an interesting, uh, an interesting subject for a show. Wink, wink, Disney plus wink, wink. Uh, let's see if we can make it happen. Yeah. We've, we've laid down multiple ideas for a Vader show. I mean, Hey, if star killer does become a thing, what better way to tell his backstory than a, a mini series featuring Vader trying to get one up on Sheev, but never going to fucking happen. So, Oh, well, but yeah, anytime we, uh, we get a Vader shot, I'm a, I'm a fan. I actually featured this today. So Nick and I are aligned here. It looks like a great use of, of practical and, and digital from our buddy, at Darth Don Dada. Yeah, it was great stuff. I think so you, that got is one, the, you got one more. Oh, Nick. no, yeah, there is one more. That is not the end of the top. There's one more. This from at 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. You know who that is. One of our favorites here, Robbie Day. And uh, this shot here is of uh, stormtroopers on the battlefield. This is, I believe that this is, no, this clone troopers on the battlefield. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was thrown off. He, by he's the recreating the Umbara arc from the clone wars, which tends to be a favorite with most clone wars fans. Cause it's all about there. the clones, the 501 and this, yeah. this Krell Jedi general fuckhead. So what we got is all of the boys on the field. You can see Rex there kind of half in the frame off to the right side of it. And then you see Jesse. Is that Jesse yep. right there up front carrying he's off? He's got just a rag. A face, yeah, yeah. A, a face two rag on his back, carrying him off. And then just chaos ensuing. Blaster bolts firing both ways. You see another clone right there, kind of in the mid ground, firing off the big Gatling gun, taking out all of their uh, um, bar in hard uh, case. Yeah, I mean 90, 97 is the fucking man. There, there's no doubt about it. So check him out. Instagram 97 underscore parsecs underscore photography. Indeed. And that is the end of the top five. Sorry for the false start there on the last one. And that is the end of our show. Thank you all for tuning in and listening this week. I hope that the Ahsoka enjoyment continues for all of you. But Matt, go ahead and close us. All right. Nick's getting out of here. Have fun. We will do it again next week. But as he said, you just got through the first ever Star Wars time show pregame.
Okay, we, we've never been able to pregame for new Star Wars, so hopefully you, d- you dug it. Looks like Bango liked it. We'll be doing it all again next week on Tuesday, but in between now and then, don't forget to go look for StarWarsTime.net. We'll be dropping the podcast version of this uh, live stream tomorrow through the site. But really, it's just it's an easy tool for all of our fans. That's how you promote us. Say, hey, you, you go check these guys out. StarWarsTime.net. You got all the links on that site that you need. You can subscribe to their podcast, and if you do... Make sure to leave a rating and review. If you like the YouTube, you can find it from StarWarsTime.net as well. Nice little handy-dandy subscribe button. All right, people? There's always time for Star Wars time. Don't you forget it. Ahsoka S1 E3 tonight. Let's go. I'll be in the Discord after I watch it, so probably sometime around 10, 1030, no later than 11. Let's chat about what happened, and don't forget to catch my full breakdown tomorrow. I'm going to keep the format going One take, people. I did my breakdown for episodes one and two, 18 minutes long, one take, no stops, no ums, no ahs, because we are awesome. All right? Don't forget, if you listen to the Star Wars Time Show, the Force will be with you always. Always.